great Duke Derek himself. What's up, dude? Same old, same old, man. Hell yeah! Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. I saw that um, you had uh, recently taken an interest into uh, possibly starting your own podcast right. as well. Right, right. Tell, tell tell me about the ideas of that. What you got going on? The the point of it. I've been in law enforcement probably with with corrections and then. Uh, local law enforcement combined. I've probably been in law enforcement about 15 years. So, in those 15 years, you know, inmates or criminal-minded people, they develop a, a, a certain stigma based around it. And it's not what people think it is. You know, a lot of them are mis, misjudged, they're misguided. And, you know, once you start learning these people and you talk to them, especially in the prison setting, and you start learning that, they're capable of learning differently from what people viewed them in high school and in different places it changes it changed my perception of the criminal from a criminal to a person who just can I cut? oh yeah yeah to a person who just fucked up right you know so I think a lot of people get caught up in like well that dude got tattoos on his face man that's that motherfucker that, he's just he's rough but really man a lot of them dudes are soft yeah but they just their, their background made them gave them that rough exterior and maybe a rough mentality for that moment to pursue whatever street based thing they were trying to get to. But they're really just normal people, and, and you know, yeah, this podcast can. I'm hoping it can open some doors. It's starting off as a black thing, of course, because I'm black. Oh, you I'm are. Tr- I'm trying to <laughs> mesh that 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 me being a police. People look at me funny. They walk away from me when they know I'm the police. Even if they're not in criminal activity, they stray from it in the black community, period. Right. So, trying to create this, get that out of that, because I've, I've, I've done a lot, seen a lot, you know, in my time. Man, and it's, I'm, I'm a person just like you are. I just want to clean my community to where we can all be free. You know what I'm saying? Totally. That's that's the point of it. So you, you touched on a couple of uh, interesting things. One being about the, the concept of, uh, I guess what we call vagrancy right. associated with the criminal mind, right? Right. And talk about how like a lot of the folks in there, they're, they they are soft, but it's a defense mechanism as, as two men that we have. Like, I present myself in a manner that shows other dudes, do not fuck with me. I'll eat your dick off, like, without even right. thinking about it. No, you know? right, right. But on the inside, like, I love cartoons, Duke. Like, like I'm, I'm like, you know. But, like, a lot of these uh, cats that are in there, like, and I've had friends that have gotten locked up, and most of them are not violent people. Most right. of it stems from what I consider to be our unconstitutional drug laws mm. that seems to be feeding more people into this uh, uh, for-profit prison complex. Right. And if you start looking at, like, well, how did it get this way? You look at it, it points to kind of the Reconstruction era, Mm -hmm. and then mid-20th century, arguably our second civil war, the Civil Rights era, Mm -hmm. you know, where it was a way to say, let us try to prevent as many black fathers as prospering in the uh, latter half of the 20th century as we can. And I think that to, to say that that has not had to your uh, second point about looking at the relationship between law enforcement and uh, what we would colloquially call gang banging mm-hmm. in uh, small mm-hmm. southern black communities has mm-hmm. created this divide where personally I would think that the uh, you know with 
granted, I'm kind of out here in the sticks, but whenever I was like living in a city, I would want the block to take care of the block, you know, and to make sure that that was a good way to keep fascistic uh, state government agencies, mm-hmm. the, the cops, from coming in and telling people how to live, right. how they can conduct business, where they can go. And I, th- I think that over the course of time, since we've seen the war on drugs and how it's affected the black community, we've just seen this sort of slow divide even get wider and wider. It's weird, man. I'm going to tell you, it's, it's, it's weird being black. Being black, being a police, growing up, you know, of course I grew up with two teachers, parents, I had cousins that were all in the school system. So my base... My family base was always stable. So I, but I still had a lot of family that were, that were drug addicts and, and things like that. It's, it's weird just what we choose to, the black community here, I'll, I'll speak on the one here. And I'm trying to gather my thoughts while, while trying to, to speak on it. Here it's like we have the wrong goal for the community. Even if the block took care of the block here, it's about control negatively. Because like in our community here, it's about imposing fear so that you don't try to come and get my status. It's about letting you know that this is my status. This is I'm the dominant force and don't even try to touch it. Once people see that, okay, this guy leads either by money or by fear, people are going to gradually, you know, want to work up under them until they can get some kind of uh, backing themselves. Mm. The problem is... Breadcrumbs from them. See, like like the Panthers. The Panthers had a a bad... People looked at them negatively after they were criminalized. Mm -hmm. Because in the beginning, they were all about helping the community. Yeah, yeah. Start. Even they and the uh, the White Panthers in the Detroit area, they mm-hmm. worked together. It wasn't about nationalism at that point. Right. It was just about controlling their community away from the crooked cops. Exactly. It was about, okay, we're going to be the police without the police label. You know what I'm saying? We're going to educate our kids. We're going to feed our kids. We're going to patrol our neighborhoods. And when somebody comes in and tries to bring or, or tries to, to go against our rights, we're, we're going to stand tall on it. But see, now it's different. Like I've seen, I've been in, in situations where we went to people's house to do warrants. And before that, you see nobody outside. And then once we go in and start taking certain people out, you can see a grandmother next door. She'll go out and start watering her flowers. And I've never seen her there while I patrolled. That's that was my goal is like this lady I've been riding through here for three four years and I've never seen this lady on a porch and now you see older people sitting on a porch talking having conversation it's they're relieved that those kids are gone but I don't want those kids locked up but I want them to see that that is what we're striving for is everybody to be comfortable not just you right and not just you and whatever you're doing everybody should feel comfortable in their community we shouldn't have to lock our kids in I shouldn't have to tell my kids hey don't go over there it's too many black folks over there because that's that's the problem with it It, it, it's confusing because don't go over there 
you know, the white folks probably ain't going to do this. The one little black kid, then you can't send them over there with the black people because too many black people get together. It, it's, it's leading to trouble. It's like you don't know how to win here. You know what I'm saying? It's right. weird, man. <coughs> what do you what do you think was uh well like going back to like like Lakeland and mm-hmm. right like the there is crime in Lakeland for for sure but like right. when whenever you kind of look at like like how the the hood in Lakeland has become like mm-hmm. like compared to like what it was like when we were in high school like it is the most mixed hood I have ever seen mm-hmm. like in in any town as far mm-hmm. as like ethnic diversity Right and uh, without it being like uh, gentrified or anything to uh, coax uh, Gen Z and millennials to come in. Right, but like it's changed a lot, man. Uh, I've recently went back. Like I don't, I don't go back often. You know, of course, my dad is over there now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't go often. But I've seen more, more whites. It was more Hispanics moving in before, anyways. You know, because it's it's cheaper to live in that area. Where I lived at, anyways. But I've seen more whites there now, and it's you know it's interesting to see it, mm-hmm. you know. But the crime in Lakeland, man, I just don't get it because in a way, everybody in Lakeland's related. If I'm your cousin, your cousins with somebody I'm cool with, and loosely we're all related somehow. There's only like two thousand people in the town. Like if. Maybe if that, <laughs> and, and it's funny because what's what's crazy about it is, if I grew up with you, or I grew up seeing this person, and then these people are killing these people, I, I just don't get that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, man, I, I've seen a lot of people die. A lot of people died to pointless stuff in this area. This whole area. I remember it. This. I don't know what year you came here. You and your mom came here. But before, you could leave your door open and go off all day. Come back. Your door's going to be right where it was. Right. All your stuff is going to be where it was. I wish somebody would. You can't do that these days. <laughs> no. You can't do that anywhere. <laughs> you, I remember my grandmother used to have her windows open. People knock. They'd open the door. Step in. If you're not there, they'd walk out and they'll leave. Now, you have to worry about somebody carrying your TV out the door. You know, even your own relatives. Some people who who have habits. To put it nicely. Right. <laughs> I've, I've had quite a few, you know, and it's like, I don't know, man. It's, it's just, it's weird just to try to figure this life out. I was telling my, my wife um, just a couple weeks ago, you know, life is... The older I get, the more things I go through, the more people I lose, the more hard experiences I go through. I don't see life the same anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's like even homeless people, people look at homeless people and despise them. I went to the airport about two, three weeks ago, headed to California. My wife is doing a contract over there. So I was talking to a guy and he was telling me about how the government feeds into the homelessness problem in L.A. All of this. Have you ever been to L.A. before? I have. Bro, first time I went, it's nothing like TV paints it out to be. To me. I went, I'm thinking that the walk of stars and all this is going to be like glamorous. and 
nice buildings and celebrities walking up and down. I thought that was like the Rodeo Drive as well. Homeless people everywhere. And you know, in the beginning, because of what people put in your head, I'm like, man, these people are, ugh, are the scum of the earth. But then you think about it, like, homeless people are living. You have no expectation of life. You don't have to get up, worry about working, paying your bill, living for someone else, getting someone else's pockets fatter. Maybe this is the problem we face in the community is because we look at these TVs or these idiot boxes and we fill our heads with these ex- these false expectations. And then we think we have to live up to these expectations and that's what causes this. They make you feel like you're not pretty enough. So you go out and buy these hair care and, and face products and then you start tearing your skin up and your hair falls out. So what do you do? You go feed into the next market. I go buy wigs and I buy more face products to cover this stuff up. When if you didn't create if they didn't have that expectation to begin with, you would have been content with where you were. It's nothing wrong with being the smaller percentage of people who, who don't have like millions of dollars. Hell, most of them people are living the best. The farmers live off your land. You don't have to get up. I don't have to worry about you. I don't have to worry about you telling me what to do. You don't come on my land, tell me how to run my fam. Bro, that's the way of living. Yeah, especially if uh, society collapses. You know, like down down here in the you know in the south, like it's we're we're a pretty autonomous community because like right. agriculture's everywhere and right. and the military's here. Like there's. There's money that's invested here, but it's, we don't have an overpopulation problem down here. You know right. what I mean? Versus, you know, someplace like, like L.A. Now, granted, I haven't been to L.A. in like 20 years or so, but there is no way in hell I would want to go to California right now, man. Like, they, the homelessness problem there is, is, is so bad. Like, it's the population of Valdosta. Right. Is homeless. Right, 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 right. Like right. that's like seventy thousand fucking people. Man. Right. right, and like the what it seems to be is that like a, a lot of these government agencies are encouraging like they this, this to like happen. So well, like I I agree with you that like a lot of these issues, I guess uh, psycho uh, psychological or societal that you and I would have, you mm-hmm. know, being. In the system, having a home, right. paying bills, work, all that, something like that. It's almost like a um, it goes back to like like tribalism, or you know, like uh, the the notion of because then you have to survive every day. Right. And it's like okay, I have this thin piece of fabric protecting me from sixty thousand other people that have nothing to lose, mm-hmm. and that's why I think is the scary part because like you see some of these interviews people have where they're Especially since like the COVID lockdowns, where they're like, I had a home, I had a job, now I have nowhere to go. Well, let me ask you this: with that theory that you just had about mm-hmm. tribalism, based on what you know about society, and this is what I like: I like to have dialogue with somebody who can think a little bit outside the box. What's worse, waking up just thinking about how to survive, just in this day, trying to find a dollar to maybe get your food for the day, or the expectation of Paying rent, the expectation of being who this person wants you to be at work outside of who you normally are, you're just trying to 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 be someone different constantly. Mm-hmm. You're conforming constantly to other people. 
you're working to make someone else rich. You're working to make someone else happy. Like, a lot of people here especially, you work, you're not happy with the places you're at. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like, you feel like there's, a lot of people feel like there's no hope. I'll never get to this point. I'm not saying I want to be homeless. <laughs> but it's just saying that it's not as bad as I thought it was. Once you become, see, we're, I'm, I'm used to having things. So going without, I feel like I can't. These people aren't. Like, what if, what if, we have terrorists again, and they, they, they hit the trade centers. They hit every big thing that makes the country run itself. Everything goes down. Homeless people are going to be on top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. They already know how to live. Yeah. Homeless people and, far- and farmers are going to be at the top. Yeah, and all the uh, the uh, indigenous hunter-gatherers and, like, uh, jungle societies and whatnot. It's, it's, it's like... They, they talk, I don't know if you know uh, Graham Hancock or not. He's this, uh, he's this uh, journalist and archaeologist that kind of uh, puts a proverbial middle finger up to the modern dogma of science, in particular, like the history of civilization. So he, uh, he argues about this, uh, this common impact that looks like it created one giant global flood where hmm. all the myths of, like... Gilgamesh and the Bible and everything come right. out the flood story that it does look like there's uh, enough geological and uh, scientific data to make the argument that there was one giant flood that hit the ice sheet in North America and it caused all of the uh, the waters on Earth to rise like mm. I think something like a couple hundred feet mm-hmm. or so but he argues that it, the reason why those great civilizations of the you know millennia ago didn't survive is because if you have a global cataclysm, who's going to survive? The advanced civilization or the hunter gatherers? Well, right. the, the hunter gatherers because they're right. used to every day just being like, well, am I going to die today? Right. Let's hope not. You know, it, it's it's weird, man. And you see things like now, like what do we go to to survive? We go to the criminal mind. We start investing in. We we start we start getting more criminalized, and I don't have a problem with certain things like the big thing around marijuana. Marijuana is not that major. However, I believe when you take a natural substance, and I know we're going all around, but oh, that's cool. it comes back because it all all this comes back still to you know the the problem areas. It's like marijuana. Everybody knows marijuana has medical purposes. The CBD and the marijuana. Uh, according to the government, sir, there are none whatsoever. And the science is settled, so case closed. <laughs> the government, the only reason the government doesn't want marijuana to become legalized is because they're trying to figure out how to keep the average Joe from profiting from it. Mm-hmm. That's all it's about. Yeah, I'm telling you, once it's legalized, all the big name tobacco companies are going to take it over well think about this as well like how many folks are going to have to be pardoned that are currently locked up for marijuana charges i would say that's probably five to ten percent of Mm. our inmates i've never thought about that but because like there's no crime which arguably i would say there's no crime to begin with because there's no victim in drug possession like there's there's truly not 
Right. Now, I don't think you should be able to sell it to kids. I think you should be an adult to be able... Right. Or, like, if... But if you want to go to your doctor, and your doctor is on some Freud kick, and he's like, you know what, the best thing for you is cocaine. I'm going to give you a prescription, and you can go and have it. I think we should be allowed to do that. I, I think that, at the most, I think that the way our Controlled Substance Act should work, that if something is dangerous, you just have to have a doctor's note. Let me, let me ask you this, and this, this kind of getting into the, the drug use thing. Of course, I've never done anything, never, in my life. I've, I've had uh, family members that were crack addicts and things like that, and I've always seen it, and I was like, nah, I'm scared to touch weed because I'm scared to go there. That's just been my fear. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I was talking to my, my wife, this is funny, just a week ago, and I was explaining to her about addiction. I don't know because I haven't been addicted to a drug, but when it comes to addiction, I'm skeptical now just because of going through certain traumas and recently my son's autistic so something I've dealt with I've, I've had a lot of stress and an addiction that I picked up is buying shoes to feed or try to fill a void of pain that, I, that I'm dealing with so that's my vice right. is, is buying and purchasing shoes so I looked at I was, I was telling my wife, I said, you know what? I said, it's interesting. Is a drug addict, is a drug addict, is he really addicted to the substance? Or are they addicted to filling the void of pain that they've created? Mm, I, th- I think it can be a little bit of both, like to be honest. Um, you know, because like uh, something like weed, weed is not physically addictive. Mm-hmm. But it can be if you allow it to become your daily habit. Mm-hmm. Right, so the habit is what becomes the addiction, just like like anything. Like me, like whenever Friday hits, Friday normally is junk food time because mm-hmm. I try to behave during the week so my fat ass can keep getting slim. Mm-hmm. But whenever Friday hits, oh no, that's normally Pizza Friday, and like it's become a routine to where now like mm. Friday evening will hit like around like you know five o'clock or so. My tummy is just like, yo man, we need that dopamine for pizza. Right, 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 right. right. So I, I think that like you, it, it can be like that now versus something like like amphetamines. Like I was on speed for like close to seven years. Mm-hmm. Like and like whenever I didn't have like my Adderall or my uh, Vyvanse or my uh, amphetamine, like the next day, like it was a problem, like a big problem. But were you trying? Let me ask this. Were you still, were you suffering from something emotional and this caused the use of it? Or you just took it and you said, you know what? I kind of like that shit. I'm going to just continue. Was it, was it to feel something or was it just, you know, damn, I like that shit. I'm going to just keep doing it. I, th- I think with, with speed, it was probably a little bit of both. Mm. You know what I mean? Cause like I, I got in kind of like around like my mid twenties. Mm-hmm. So like that was sort of whenever I was just sort of like drugs, mm. you know, just like mm-hmm. whatever. But, um, I liked it because it, you know, it puts you in fight or flight mode the whole time. And it gives you this sort of, what you call homeostasis. Like you're just sort of mm. constantly in fight or flight. So, you know, what happens in that is, you know, all the blood is drawn away from what your body considers non-vitals, your stomach, 
your dick, like, and it puts it in your vital organs because it thinks we have to fight or we have to run. So your lungs, your uh, your brain, your limbs, hmm. like your heart, you know, like all these things, like your body's just like, all right, work overtime. So Adderall would put me in this state of mind where I didn't care about any of the uh, emotional baggage that I had. Right. But I was putting out a shit ton of work. So, like, the fact that I could take something, not care, and then be productive, that was what sold me on it. Now, the problem is that, like, like probably, again, so it was, like, like close to seven years, just shy of seven years. But probably about three or four years uh, after doing that, my productivity wasn't going anywhere, but mm. the dosage was increasing. Mm. So then the productivity was going down, and the dosage was increasing. So... So what drew you to it? Was it just a curiosity? Uh, my my friends were doing it because uh, we were all musicians, artists, and you know we like to stay busy. And it was just one of those things where we'd be like, all right, we all have the day off. We we'll, we all just pop some Adderall. We can clean the house, uh, track a band coming in mm. to record a demo. I'll paint a picture, and mm-hmm. like before you know it, it's been three days and you haven't slept yet. You're like, oh, God damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's not healthy. It would That's not crazy, rec- man. Yeah, would not recommend. Well, it's essentially meth. Right. You know? Right. And I, like, I, I do not like meth at all, man. Like, I've, I've never uh, smoked ice or anything like that, but, like, I've had so many friends and lovers before that have just been on it, and, like, that yeah. shit is awful, dude. It's horrible, man. I, I'm going to tell you, working narcotics, man, I've been in, and, you know, before... If you would have asked me before I started narcotics, meth is a white people drug. Meth is a anybody who touches it. Drug. I I know black people that's on it. I know white people. That, I know people of all races that do meth. Mm-hmm. Man, when I say meth is something ridiculous, it changes every aspect of their life. I've seen someone go from clean, nice looking females, a year on it, man, it looks like a mummy hit them in the face. <laughs> Bro, listen, when I tell you I've been in some houses and it's dog shit everywhere and it's piss and then you have one of them invite you to sit down and you sit down and the sofa's wet and you don't know if it's their piss or the dog's piss. I've been in some houses, bro, and they got kids in there and the kids are walking around like this shit is normal. Bro, I can't judge because I've known dope heads, dope addicts all my life. From just around the way and stuff like that. I've been around people who sold it. Everything. Let but me, I, I look at how that shit consumes people though, man. That shit hurts, bro. Let me let me ask you this. Do you think that if we made all drugs legal as far as in the market and it wasn't a criminal offense to just possess it, do you think we would see use of like more harmful substances go down? No. You think it would increase? Yeah. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, when you start seeing, and it's going to increase everything, violence as well, because now it's more competition that's going to come out. People are going to stop working the right. It's going to increase. It's going to open up the market for regular good jobs because all your people who are working hard to make that hundred grand, they're going to want to make that hundred grand easy because our music industry is feeding into an idea too that's not really, it's not really there. That's the problem with like a lot of rap music. The corporate America's feeding into this 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 facade, this image that hey, do drugs, talk about it, make this money. Mm. 
And a lot of that shit's not true. A lot of those people are living. That's interesting. It, you know, it's kind of like, you know, whenever we were coming up as like, you know, little boys and whatnot, you know, the, the G-Funk scene was right. like what was being pushed hard. Right. Where it's like, well, everybody's a gangster who's cool. Right. And right. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro, that, that shit is different. I, I done been around so many people and I've learned and I've just watched people, even in the police field, you talk to dope boys. You, you see, they have $7,000 worth of shoes. And this is like my, my black dope boys. $7,000 worth of shoes in, in, in the house. The water's off. The furniture's 30 years old. No TV, no table. Plastic furniture here and there throughout the house. Kids living on the floor on a mattress. But you got $8,000 in shoes and your car's sitting on rims and you got a stereo in it. Yeah. Now, when you step out to the club... You, you squared away. Yeah. But when you take a chick home, you got to take her to the hotel because you take her home. But a lot of these females are into that shit. A lot of these females live like that. Yeah, right? the, the uh, going back to what we were talking about, the vagrancy, right? Where it's like the uh, the image of vagrancy. And I wonder if it's something, not to you know be uh, so stereotypical of typecasting females, but I wonder if there is something that it's this drive to be like, ooh, I can change him. I can fix him. I can... I can uh, turn this bad boy around. I wonder if, like, what you're talking about with this, how we've sort of had this cultural vomit that has just been pushed out to everybody. Just like, you know what you need? You need to just just get knocked up by, like, four different dudes and just marry the government and not even, like, value yourself at all and just go from one of these, like, dudes to the next one because, like you said, like, if they're looking good, like in the club and the social status, then to some people, that's what's important. It's not right. what's important, right. what's home. Right. It's what other people see. It's this Instagram sort of life. Have you ever um, heard of Kevin Samuels? I don't think so. He's the new, he's a uh, image consultant and he's like hardcore when it comes to judging people's value and then what they value in a relationship and how they can get a person of the same value. Like he's extremely critical. It's funny. It's funny stuff. But if you listen to what he's talking about, he said it was a study in the university of Santa Monica. He said the study, and this is, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's based around black females. He said the study was what these women find attractive. And all these women, when you ask them what kind of man they want, they wanted high value men at 18, 19 years old. They want a man who makes six figures and all this. So this is the idea that's created. The problem it creates in the community is what do what what drives a man? Pussy. Pussy drives the man, regardless of what we think. How we base our relationships, how we choose our women, is all based on looks in the beginning. And if that woman will choose me. So if this woman's idea of a perfect man is to have a hundred grand or make good money have all of these things, have this kind of car. These are the things that in the black community, we we place value in. The shoes, the clothes, the cars. Nothing about the house just yet. As long as I got a pocket full of money, clothes, cars, that's what matters. That's what the black men go to. And how can they attain that quickly? Because if I made, if I averaged a 1.5 in school, that's my GPA, it's not like I'm going to go to Stanford. Right. So, damn, I need to get that hundred grand real quick. So what do they go to? I go to the street life. 
Then I learned, okay, well, I can make this money pretty fast over here. And I think that is encouraging for the black male to try to satisfy what the woman wants. And now that's where you see like this gold digger, gold digger drug boy. This has became our persona, our leading persona in the black community. They don't, it seemed like the problem with us, we don't respect. It's like Myron Rowe. Myron Rowe played for Florida State. He played safety. Went to the NFL. And they used to joke around about Myron Rowe in the locker room, calling him professor. He's now a brain surgeon. But they were laughing at him for being educated. Right. And he's making a he's he has a job where he's making two or three hundred thousand dollars a year. But that's cornball shit. Me being a police is cornball shit. But what you need to be is a dope boy. Now, everything that we teach our kids now is based around this this process. Yeah, I'm going to let my son get his head twisted. I'm going to let him get a tattoo when he's 12. Yeah, man, carry that satchel across your chest like you see in the, in the music videos. But like I told my stepson one day, we were walking into the mall. I said, hey, man, I said, you know that fanny pack stuff? I said, that looks cool, don't it? I said, but you don't know when people see you, they're going to think you have dope in it because dope boys usually carry that. I said, I know because I, that's what I do. Right. And I just walked off and I let him continue walking and I looked back at him thinking he was going to take it off. I said, do you understand what I just told you? When you walk in here, being a young black male around between 12 and 15 People are going to judge you just by what you're wearing because I would. If I seen you on the street and you're just standing there and you have that thing right across your chest, I'm thinking that's what you're doing. Yeah. Is that the the image that you want to give people? And I'm trying to get these kids, man, it's like, I don't know, man. It's like TV, music. I don't get it. Future, all these people, they don't even do drugs anymore. But they're pushing that mentality. Yeah. Because it sells, but they don't realize that the corporate America wants you to push that agenda. Because even if it's white kids too, if I continue to push this, they're going to feed into this. And they're eventually still going to feed into that, that new form of slavery. You're going to go go to prison for these stupid charges. Yeah. Because you just don't know any better. You know, it. I, I, I'm baffled, man. Life in itself is, is it's hard to conceive for me. Being the police, being black, having having a diverse group of friends, then just trying to figure life out. Like, bro, like we've been tricked. We've been tricked into thinking that, I, that, that, that this shit holds substance. None of it does. Cars, like, like right now, where you live at, man, I'd kill to live out here. Like, to this piece of plot of land. But they make you think you need to be in the city. The biggest house. You need to have your yard full of cars. You need to have... Comfort is what people need. Mm -hmm. Peace of mind is what people need. It, it took me a few years to be able to come to that realization where I was like... Almost oversaturated with society. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I moved out here late 2018? It was before COVID. But then, like, whenever all the hysteria happened with 2020, I was like, thank God I live out in the fucking sticks, man. Right. Like, and, like, granted, shit wasn't 
too bad in Valdosta and like the Lakeland area, but like some of these places, man, like you you see kind of like what you're talking about for earlier with money and fear. You see just how much fear is a motivator for like right. these people, right? And and perhaps this ties into what you know talking about with this um, cultural influence is is that you know whenever. And you know maybe maybe it's a uh, a bit crass for me as a uh, as a white dude to say it, but I do think that modern media pushes this idea of a homogenous black man. Mm-hmm. That the idea that black people have one culture in America, mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's just black culture. It's like that's fucking preposterous, man. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met a Haitian before? Right. Wildly different than a Nigerian culture. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Wildly different than a Southern black culture, which right. is wildly different than like Philadelphia hood. Like right. Like there there there's not this notion of it. However, it's fed to these young kids to be like, well. If you want to set yourself up and be unique, then the gangbanging life can give you this opportunity right. to move up in the ranks. And like you're saying, it's that they don't they don't they don't teach kids that, you know, whenever you get locked up, you are a slave. Like right. your rights as a citizen are null and void. And there's it's was it the fourteenth or thirteenth amendment? That that says that like you know like slavery's like no go, you can't have people as property unless it's for a punishment of a crime. Right, right. So if you're locked right. up, then right, <laughs> exactly. But but let me ask you this, and God damn it, I had it in my head and I lost it. Um, it's one of the uh, it was, beautifully frustrating things about podcasting. It's like yeah. all, the, all these ideas will come up in conversation, and that's why the conversation kind of jumps all over. But it's still, it's still kind of covering everything. Like, because in a talk about criminality, you still have to talk about the community. You have to talk about influences. So, even though we started here and we ended up talking about women and everything, it all ties back to the initial topic, anyways. You know what I'm saying? Right. But let me let me ask your opinion when it comes to. The education. I'm going to tell you. What made me love your mama so much is what she encouraged from me. Because I don't know if you remember, but uh, I'll say her name because I don't give a shit. Miss Curry. Miss Curry hated me. She wasn't too fond of me either. That's right. That's right. That's right. We all had a class. (laughs) Me, you, Joey. All of us had a class. Yeah. Three of us that spoke our minds and didn't kowtow to what they wanted us to say. I found out later that she told my mom that she thought I was a racist because every report I ever done was based on black history. But see, this is important. And this is what I tried to stress to inmates when I finally got out of school, when I finally got out of school and just black people in general when I'm in the street. It's important to know that there's a different black influence than what is being taught and what's being shown on TV. Because do you do you believe that black motivators and influencers from history are being intentionally hidden? Well, uh, to put it succinctly, of course. Right. Um, I, I think that you know. Of course, I'm. 
like I, I like conspiracies, you know, stuff with like aliens and right. pyramids Me and too. Right. all that shit. But um, I, I think the idea that all black Americans were shipped over from the East India Company for the slave trade, I don't think that makes it entirely sense to me. It mm-hmm. makes a lot more sense that the Moors, who had already gone across the Mediterranean, conquered Southern Europe, and they had slave trades already in the Americas, along with some of the Nords that were in like northern East Coast. So it, it makes a lot more sense to me that what probably happened was that whenever this European colonialism kind of went full swing, mm-hmm. and especially in the Americas, that you know back in the day, the the Brits were the most villainous people in the in the eyes of the Americas. So all these different factions teamed up, and one of them were the slave owners mm-hmm. that they teamed up with these what we would call libertarians, but I mean they're not libertarians by the modern sense, but mm-hmm. back in the day. So it, it kind of makes sense that they would work together with these bigger evils in order to fight or excuse me, with these other folks that were evil in order to fight what they conceived a bigger evil. Mm-hmm. But from that, after they won, then you know you have 100 years, which then leads up into the Civil War. And then after the Civil War, the Reconstruction Era. And then we start seeing this push of, well, let's start normalizing all of our textbooks across the board. Right. And, you know, you start looking at certain things that are just sort of not really talked about, like, like World War One, we didn't really talk about World War One a whole lot, and you know that was, I think it was before Tuskegee, but like that was like one of the, the the first major conflicts we had that where you had Black American patriots like come in, not mm-hmm. even mentioned in the uh, right. in the in the history right. books. Um, I th- I think also that um, th- this idea of, of black nobility of course now there's kind of a push with i don't i I despise nick cannon i think he's a a a textbook racist in the Hmm. modern woke sense what do you mean um he believes in uh black superiority Hmm. based on uh the uh these old notions of like melanin and kind of Hmm. goes back to you know back in the day with phrenology where they would measure your skull size and Hmm. they'd be like like ah this is a prime specimen of somebody Hmm. it's it, it, it has nothing to do with supremacy other than that's premises ideologies are kind of gross. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, to your, to your point, I think that a lot of black history, supposedly there's black nobility that was in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. That after the Moors got in there, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the British family, the Royal family is not British. They're German. Like the current British family is German. They're not British. So there's these old, paintings that you can find of King James. Right. King James, black as they come. Right. And uh, Isabella, Beethoven. Right. Like, so I, I think, you know, the stereotypical thing is usually they'll bring up Jesus. They'll be like, well, they whitewashed Jesus. I'm like, there's a Korean Jesus. Like, we're, we're right. in America. There's a lot of white people here. That's right. why it's marketed that way. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you know, the, the, the thing I try to explain to a lot of black people in the community is just understanding if you can understand what's being done you don't have to agree but once you understand it that's where you can start creating the change understanding that it's other influences two chains isn't the only affluent black
person out there. Oprah's looked at as corny. Tyler Perry's looked at as corny. All these people who who have built wealth, and, and it took time to get there. See, the the problem these days is people want shit too fast. They want shit quick. Like I said, well, we live in the age of instant gratification. Jesus, Lord of mercy. Like, who the hell can reach, who reaches Oprah's status in six months? You might get a million dollars, but if you don't know how to financially just maneuver it, that shit's going to be gone in two years anyway. <laughs> Probably not even that. <laughs> right. Because what's the first thing you're going to do? Buy a big-ass chain, a big-ass car, and a big-ass house. Like, what the fuck are you thinking about? Like, Well, even like... To your point, like, uh, with as far as, um, I don't want to use the word censor, but as far as quieting, like, uh, certain, uh, we'll say black renegades, right? Like, Thomas Sowell is, like, like he's an economist. He's been around uh, doing, like, talk shows and debates since the 70s and would always push back on these, I guess you call, like, uh, like white neoliberal points of view that... You know that like you have to you have to treat uh, uh, black people with kid gloves, you know, because you you have to they're 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 a marginalized group, and you have mm. to you have to treat them differently. It's like why don't you just treat them like a human being? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you know, like this this the, there's been a notion that you have to treat somebody based on what their whatever their group identity may be, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like okay, well. You're a straight white male, so you are going to go down here. But if you're a non-binary person of color amputee who, you know, uh, is a, a LGBTQIA friendly, right. then their their people are going to be walking on eggshells in order to make sure that you know that like they're on your side, they're mm-hmm. an ally for you. It's like that. that Personally, I don't, I don't pledge allegiance to anything except my family. Right. Like, right. So th- this notion of quieting like heretics of different communities, I, I, I think is more real than people like kind of want to give credit to. It's, it's out there. I'm <laughs> telling you, it's, it's, it's there. And it's more evident than ever because, bro, I'm telling you, the more I read or I I love watching podcasts like Joe Rogan and stuff. Like shit that makes me think outside the box. He had a I don't know the guy's name, but it's a black guy with dreads. And even though some of the things I thought were extreme, some of the things were real interesting in what he said. Talking about Hotep Jesus. That podcast, I was like, damn, that's kind of deep. When yeah, he yeah. talked about the um blacks already being here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know what? I sat back and I thought about See, you know what? That shit makes sense. It does make sense, doesn't it? Because there's a Indian and black influence that's always been there. From what I read before, the Seminoles is not a traditional tribe from the Indians. The Seminoles was created by slaves and Indians, and they worked up the coast and created different factions up through South Carolina, um, rebelling against slave masters or rebelling against the British or whatever you want to call it. I was like, damn. And after I start learning this shit, I'm like, you know what? That that guy there, even though extreme as it may sound to people, a lot of that stuff made a lot of sense. Like, when you think about it from an economic standpoint, how much sense does that make? You go buy 
uh, your your product here. And in in transit, you know you're going to lose 50% of that product and you're going to invest your whole dollar amount. That makes no sense. Especially when your quote-unquote product is already there. Like, so, like, like, and he brought up a good point. He's like, why would you spend all this money and spend back and forth, so was that, like six or seven months at sea whenever there's people already here? He's like, he's like conquerors conquer. They, they don't go out of their way. Right, to, right. And, you know, so think, think about it this way, too. I've I thought about this, and maybe you can give me insight because I'll, I'll say you're, you're a lot smarter than me, and you, you read a lot more than I do. I look at my shit and I, I watch videos because that's how I do. I man. get bored with reading a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, I'll do books on tape though, man. Like I take in, uh, information a lot, uh, a lot better uh, audibly, right? Than I do uh, visually, like just reading text. I think, I think a lot of times we're being misled, even on census. Like you think about it, when it comes to the elections, I, I, I look at it, even how they. Talk about the population, like blacks were the minority or are the minority. I believe it's a lot different numbers than what people, but it's about trying to control the mind of it. Mm-hmm. Let's think about any any rural area, any city type area. They're dominated by blacks mostly. Now, when you get to your to your out, outskirts and stuff. Did I say that right? I don't think I said that right. But anyway. Yeah, this would be the rural area. The yeah. rural area is dominated by the whites. The inner cities are dominated by blacks and we're packed in a lot of times. And I think sometimes because black people can't, don't do certain senses and stuff like that, you don't really know what the numbers are. So we seem like we're outnumbered in places. But I've been places and I'm like, you know, Trump is talking about sending Mexicans back to Mexico, but... He's going to have a time with that shit in California because do you realize how many Mexicans are there? Like outside of L.A., all that is Mexico. That is Mexico at its finest. California should be given to Mexico. <laughs> that I went over there and I was mind blown. A lot of times I was the only black person and there was no white people. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> And it's not like I felt any. I and see. You didn't feel like eyes upon you, or anything right? Like you know what I'm saying. I felt still a part of their culture, even though I'm definitely not. Right. But it's it's weird, man. It's like we've been lied. Every every place I go, the more I travel, I'm like, bro, we've been we're being lied to like a motherfucker. Like I believe in conspiracy theories to the utmost, to the fullest. This shit ain't right. I was like, because even when you look at the maps, and the maps are distorted in a way, like um, certain, uh, like Island, Iceland and Greenland and shit, they're bigger on the map than what they really are, you know, geographically. Mm-hmm. And America is normally uh, made to look larger than what it is. And even with, um, if you take, was it the Mercator projection? That's mm-hmm. the right. that map. So technically, if it's this this uh, floating oblate spheroid, there is no up or down in space. So America could be, like, the whole map could be inverted Mm. and would still work. But there's this thing uh, psychologically that whenever we see a map and we see America in the northern hemisphere, it makes us feel on top. 
I got you. That that makes sense. Or even the the size. We're mm-hmm. the dominant force. I'm gonna tell you, when you meet people from other areas or other countries, we're idiots over here. Like even when you're talking about black cultures, different black cultures. If you talk to an African, a lot of them Africans will talk over your fucking head, or a lot of black people's head because they know seven different languages, some of them. And these are your 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 peasants who who have this edge not all, but some. You know what I'm saying? But it's like I, I meet people from different places and I'm starting to learn that, you know, that's just like growing up in the South. That's one benefit to having a mother and somebody who grew up outside of somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then when you come to a place like this, you're like, no, nah, that shit ain't right. But see, when you grew up in the South, you don't know any better. I grew up thinking that America is the only place with city life. So you think about the Middle East. Oh, that's all dirt. Then somebody shows you a picture of Kuwait, Dubai. You're like, that ain't Kuwait. I'm talking about the dirt places that they bomb. That's that's Kuwait. Like, nah, that's Kuwait City right there. Like, shit, I want to go there. Yeah, majestic as fuck. You start to learn that the image that they're painting of other countries is completely... Africa has cities. Nice-ass cities. Africa has... Ca- that's when I learned Africa has castles... I was like, what the fuck? What did we learn in school? Yeah. In school, we learn about this bullshit about keeping this here, letting you be here. You know what? See, in hindsight, a lot of it seemed to just be about, as far as history, World War II. That seemed to be like the big push that like, and even like still to this day, like I'll go like on my YouTube feed, like the, there's a, I think it's called Timeline. It's like mm-hmm. a channel I follow. Like most of their stuff is just like all on World War Two, which I mean, of course, a pivotal moment in human history. But like, the, yeah, I, I don't understand like like why that push of just like now let let's tell you about the time America kicked ass mm-hmm. and we're just gonna focus on this. Like right. it's almost always the the crux of like the the focal point of uh, U.S. history is World War Two, and. Yeah, there, there's, there's so much that we're not teaching kids, and right. it, it seems to be that even, even now, like the sort of goal is to just be like, well, we don't really want to educate the kids. We mm-hmm. want to make sure that the kids know the right things, and that there's a big difference between the two. Right, know? right. It, it, oh no, man. <laughs> When, when, you, when you just think about life in general, man, and, and just all the shit that you aren't learning, I, I kind of want to know, I, I've grown up now, and I, me and my uncle was having a conversation, like, I want to know why, why all the miseducation, why, even, even when it goes back to slavery, why? Why were why was that being done? Like, what what is the purpose? What is the purpose in dominating a people or making you know we just became people in what like the early nineteen hundreds? I mean, before that we were looked at as cattle or 
eighteen what eighteen sixty seven or something like that. Yeah, but, even even Darwin Darwin argued that uh, uh, blacks and American Indians were cattle, hmm. and like Darwin is praised as being you know just like, oh he's the, one of the greatest minds of science evolutionary biology. It's like I I don't know if we should be listening to a man that was initially writing a book to talk about how awesome white people were and that they were the the genetic apex of humanity. I'm going to tell you, last year was probably the first year in my life I was nervous and scared for just life in general, watching the way everything turned because not being accepted by blacks, being the police, and then not being accepted by whites because of your race and how you look. And then having politics separate the masses in that way, that is some fearful shit. Because when you step outside and you're being looked at, and then people think just because you have that police uniform on, oh, you're on my side. No, motherfucker, I ain't with that shit you're talking about. I'm not with that shit, but I'm not completely with this either. Like, we need to create a focus, but, but having a president that caused so much of a divide. People aren't looking at that for what it is. That is some scary shit. You're talking about someone who who incited a riot on the capital, on on like the nation's capital, on our soil. The only other terroristic attack that I've known to be domestic like that was Tulsa, Oklahoma against the Black Wall Street when they were bombed because they were doing so well. Yeah. It seemed like when 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 people are starting to make a way, it's like you're talking about sending Mexicans back to Mexico. What is that going to do to farmers and shit here? Because that's all their workforce, yeah. and that's what was so funny about some of the whites here. I used to hear people talking that shit like, "Send, send their ass back, build that fucking wall." It's like, well, what about your uncle? Don't he got all them people picking watermelons in his fields out there? Yeah. Like, who the fuck is going to do that? Yeah. I'm not going out there. Yeah, for, for less than minimum wage. And, and that, the motherfuckers are happy to do it. And you're talking about sending me? What kind of slap in the face is that? Send them back? Get the fuck out of here. Every Mexican, I, I have never had one Mexican do me wrong ever in my life. I can say that for a fact. Unless they're Americanized. But a native Hispanic that I've contacted, I've never been done wrong by any. Now, ask me about blacks and whites. Now, I'll tell you a different story. <laughs> but it's just the the idea of what was done. Brass shit baffles me. And it's like, people were really following this shit here. And I've seen a lot of people in my timeline that I worked with. And we started having a difference of opinions. Even about going back to the initial topic. When you're talking about policing... The problem is, and this is what I tell black people constantly, the problem isn't white people in policing. The problem is, it ain't enough black people in it. But see, we've created this image that, no, nah, that shit lame. Okay, it may be lame, but you're leaving it up to, to the guy from the country who's never been had any interaction with you to, to patrol your community. Right. That makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, well, it goes back to what we were talking about with the Panthers earlier, you know, which that makes a lot more sense to be like, hey, we don't need the cops here. We've got guns. We, we've, we've got our streets. You guys aren't from here. Let us patrol our own streets. But but let me ask you, what's the most, it's, it's, it's another entity 
that is just as corrupt or probably more corrupt than the police entity. And that's education system. The education system has been more corrupt, but you would never have a black person discourage another black person from being a teacher because you know that there's a need for black people in education. It's a need for black people everywhere. How can, how can we get mad of the white influence if we're not trying to be in those spaces where we can create our own influence? You know what I'm saying? Totally. We, we blame white people so much for certain things and whites do have a certain amount of control. But we don't realize that we give a lot up because of where we place our value and our important things like Barack Obama. A lot of black people didn't like Barack Obama because they thought, oh, as soon as he gets in, changing everything. All black people, we going to the top. He can only do so much because it's still controlled by a white mass. And it's not saying that black people should be superior to anybody, but it's saying that how can you, how can he do anything? He was there he had the most important job. He showed you that that position is attainable for a black person. That's all the push you really need. But see, we think that we supposed to get everything. Once you become a judge, you let all black people off when they come through. Hell no. That ain't what the fuck that's for. You're missing the point. This dude murdered four kids. We're not going to let Free jug jug, but he, he raped three kids and killed ten women. What? No, that's not the point in that shit. Like, you being a judge doesn't mean you let everybody out. Just because I'm a police and I'm black doesn't mean I'm going to let every black person get away that has a bunch of shit. I've let motherfuckers go that had crack, a pipe. It wasn't a substantial amount. It was more user-based. It's like, but I picked my battles. It's like, do I want to really do a report on a crack pipe? This man just got through smoking. It's petty. I ain't got time for that. Right. Hey, bro, throw that in the woods. Stomp that shit out. And let's go on about our business. Depending on where the conversation went. You know what I'm saying? Right. I might take you in to play the game just because you're going to take me somewhere. Okay, I'll play that yeah, game. I, I imagine if he was like waving around a revolver like Yosemite Sam, it'd be a, a different I, conversation. I just don't understand the mentality like of some people. Like We, we, we miss... We miss the point of a lot of things, and and we expect too much. Do you do you think that like go back to the uh, you know law enforcement encounters and whatnot? Do you think that a, a lot of these 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 cops, I guess they would kind of be like uh, what they call them scabs, you mm-hmm. know, like whenever like good cops leave a beat, then they're gonna hire new cops, right? right. And then they're gonna be like, well can't really afford to train them up to Jim's level or Roger's level since they're both gone. Mm-hmm. But we can hire three people to replace these two, pay them less, train them less. And then there becomes this notion of not the idea of not what truly law enforcement is about, which is to bring people justice and to keep the community safe, but then becomes how can I please my bosses? Mm-hmm. And the way you do that is you show them, hey, look, we need a bigger budget. Well, why do we need a bigger budget? Well, I keep uh, getting perps every time I, uh, I go out. Mm. And it incentivizes um, law enforcement uh, agents that don't have the heart for like making their community prosper, but just have this me mentality. I, I-, I could see some of that. I could see some of it. You know, me, 
I, I just tried to concentrate on. It, it, it was hard for me to see all of this, all of those things from other people, but I, I used to question a lot of shit while working there. Like being from Lakeland and in any any neighborhood, a black neighborhood especially, it's a lot of walking involved. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like when I patrol and I see people walking neighborhoods. Shit, I never stopped. Like, shit, that's black dude. I shoot him deuces like I'm in my car. <laughs> and I keep rolling. But I'd hear a white counterpart come over the radio and run the same guy and jump out with him just for walking somewhere. And I'd ask him, I'd be like, damn, bro, like, how you keep getting so many people? Well, you know, I just ask him what they're doing walking over here and blah, 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 blah. And I had this conversation with him. I said, man, that's interesting as hell. I said, because... What you see is suspicious. I see is normal. Like, I'm not going to just jump out and ask, hey, 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 come here. What's your name? <laughs> what the fuck? This man is just walking. Like, right. <laughs> he, he waved at me. Why the fuck would I see that as suspicious just mm. because he looks different? Looks like a gang sign. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got a white guy with a big beard and tattoos. Let's get out with it. Like, how? That is some bogus ass thing. Even if he does have warrant, I just don't see the point in that mm. shit. You know well, what I'm saying? If if he has a warrant out, he probably shouldn't be walking out about so nonchalant. But you know, here I'm gonna tell you, here majority of your people warrants, all of these warrants here, all of the most of the jail, it's probation violations for dumb shit. If if I was to go in the system right now, give me all my time. I'm a, I'm gonna stay two years in the jail. I'm never get probation. That is the biggest mm-hmm. crock of shit. I wouldn't do probation either, dude. I'd be like, I'd be like, what, 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 what do I need to do to uh, expedite this? I've seen guys here who was on probation and were supposed to report. They call their officer. Hey, listen, I'm at work. Here's the manager. I'll let you speak to the manager. He's not letting me leave. Here's the manager. I don't want to speak to the manager. I'm talking to you. If you don't be here in the next five minutes. Wait a minute now. This motherfucker got fees he has to pay. He's at work. He's verifying it with the manager. He's like, hey, you can come up here. I'll show you I'm at work. And then we'll have to go pick his ass up. For violating probation. And he just contacted you. Told you where he's at. He's trying to make money to pay his child support. To pay his probation fee. And you lock this motherfucker up. And that causes that recidivism rate. Like, it's ridiculous. Here? I've seen the same people over and over. How do you expect these people to live like that? Well, they, just, they just go from probation to probation to probation to probation. Bro, that shit is ridiculous. I've seen mental health. I swear, this guy went into the courtroom. The judge was reading her standard little her little thing. So she's going through it. He said, well, I'd like to say something. She said, well, go ahead, sir. He said, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And he just started talking about like, Dumb shit, like random shit. And the judge looked, and I whispered to her. I said, hey, that guy, he's he's gone. I said, I know him from the jail. That guy's not there. So I'm telling you. She said, oh, okay. Wave me off. She deemed that guy as competent and placed him back on probation, fees and all. This guy gets a check for being mental health. And you said he's competent. How can you? 
How can you do that? That is wrong. That is fucked up. You can't do that. I looked at her and I was like, we wheeled him in in a wheelchair. One eye going this way, one eye going the other way. And he's talking from the Bible. And I lean over and I tell you personally, he ain't playing. That guy is gone mentally. Right. This system is so ass backwards here. I'm telling you, man, this, this here, the problem, why crime is the way it is, it's because people don't see a light because of what's put in place. That shit is so backwards. It's so corrupt. And it ain't even really got to do with the police. It starts with just the judicial system itself, like the courts. The courts need to come up with new standards because people feel like there's no other way to do things. Even your, your people who aren't really doing criminal stuff yet, it's like child support. I got put on child support after my second marriage, right? They took half my income. If I make two grand a month, they took a, this is, I'm, I'm telling you, they took a thousand dollars and I was making two grand a month. I was taking home two thousand a month. I'm taking a thousand. What the fuck? How can I make it? And I had two kids. I had my, my first two kids and then I had kids with her. I claimed one of her kids because her dad wasn't in her life. So she put me on child support for mine and the other one. Can't knock it because I, I adopted them. Right. But I have two kids at home. You take half of my income and I have to support these two for these two when this chick already made two, three times as much, more than I did. Right. She was making 70, 80,000. I'm only making 30. You take half of my income to, to make the, 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 the lifestyles equal for these kids. There, there is something with that in the state of Georgia with it almost always, always favors the mother. Like, almost always. It's crazy, bro. Like, like and I've, I've had, uh, you know, old friends before that they ended up becoming deadbeat dads. Right. Because they kept getting screwed. Now, granted, they did some deadbeat dad shit. Mm. But whenever it initially was, like, starting off, and like with their, you know, their child support, they were like taking home like a third of like what they made. Like everything else was going back to the state, and then you know back to the mom and whatnot. And you know they 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 didn't have the rights to see the kid, which that's something weird altogether. Where it's like, well, if they're taking your money, then you should get all that time, right? Like, but. It's not, it's not the way it works at It's all. weird, man. I've, I've been through it on both sides. Like, right now, I have custody of two. And then my other ex-wife, she has custody of my other ones. And it's just, I've seen it on both sides, man. And that, that creates a problem in the system, too, because a lot of guys feel like they can't, can't succeed. I can't make it. I thought about selling drugs when I was working at the sheriff's office. I'm not even going to bullshit you. I thought about it. I said, you know what? I know plenty of dope boys. I was like, shit. I'm making $1,000 in a month. Hell, my car payment in town was like $600. That leaves me with four. Right. And the only way I could live is like to live with somebody else. I was like, man, I am. God damn. Like, how do people do this? You know, this is what I'm thinking because I went through a bad divorce, man. Went to jail for a night. 
based around this chick lying. But it's like, I, I see why people are driven to that. Luckily, I had a good support system to fall back on that could assist me. But if I didn't, bro, I would have been hurting because, bro, that's my hard living there, man. I'm telling you, boy, that I, I see why. That's people, only 20, you would only keep 20% of uh, what you made after car and, uh, what was that, Alan, child support. But, like, yeah, like, how, how is someone supposed to feasibly live that way anyway, you know? And, I, I don't know. I think they go by this worksheet. This worksheet calculated what they thought I should pay. I said, "Well, I got two other kids. Well, I don't. I, it, don't do, it doesn't go on this. Only ones that go on this. No, I'm good. You can do it later. But it's like, no, nah, uh, they don't. Those don't count. These were the ones that count. It's like, God damn. So you're devaluing these two kids that I got and making these two the majority." And then it's like, you're leaving me to feel like, okay, well, I need to provide some sort of lifestyle for these two. And the only way I can do that is maybe doing some extra here then. It's like, it's like, geez, should I just start selling? Should I start working overtime? But then I'm taking time away over here. Bro, that, that's like the biggest mindfuck you can have because it's like, I see why people do shit. Like sell dope and all that. I understand it. Well, and also, I, I I think, you know, just psychologically speaking, it makes sense as to why like certain cops would be drawn to that because mm. you've got a network already. Mm-hmm. Like you 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 know it's easy. Yeah, you you know not only who the people are in that network, but you know which ones are cautious. Right, and you know, I've never if I wanted to, I could have done it. I could have. I, I can't fix myself to do it just because of. I won't even say morals. I'm just. I just don't feel a, a need to. I don't feel a purpose to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's that's the biggest reason. I just don't feel it would be right. I wouldn't want my kids to do it. So if my kids shouldn't do it, I'm not going to do it. The one of the things that always kept me from uh, uh, hustling was I always thought about like like. If I get caught, aside from how much that would suck and how mm-hmm. expensive that would be, both mm-hmm. time and money, I was like, man, what, what the fuck would my fucking family think of, like, seeing me posted up? Like, oh, oh, did you get a DUI? Oh, no, I was selling heroin <laughs> to, to some dudes in the park. But, you know, I'm going to tell you, the weird thing about dudes who get locked up, the difference in communities and their thoughts about it. But the black community... It's almost praised, which is a problem because I've had dudes, no lie, even in jail and in the prison. Oh, my homeboy in here. Hey, the block in here. Shit. Talk to my baby mama. She send me a little bit of money every week. I'm good. You good? Being locked up with a bunch of dudes every day? Shit, bro. I'm, bro, fuck all that. What you talking about? The block in here. My, my girl, my old lady, she put money on my books. Give me my little honey bun. It's like, this can't be life. But it's, you that's, get that a certain credibility. The, yeah, that shouldn't be uh, on the horizon as far as a goal. To You will be surprised. Dude, uh, this, uh, one of the same guys I was uh, alluding to before about being a, uh, a deadbeat dad. He had uh, 
before he like totally fell off the wagon, he uh, he had been locked up, I think twice or three times for not paying child support. And at this point, he was just willfully neglecting it. And he was trying to tell me, he's like, he's like, oh, no, man, he's like, he's like, he's like, jail's, jail's pretty cool. He's like, you know, you got to avoid certain people. He's like, but it's, it's not too bad. I'm like, you sound like you like it because you don't have responsibility in there. Mm-hmm. And like whenever you, and some people like, like me personally, nah, like I, I don't like not having responsibility because then I feel like a piece of shit all day. I'm just like, well, I guess I'll watch more YouTube. Who the fuck, know? who the fuck wants to? I'm going to tell you, tip, have you ever been locked up for? No, sir. Typical day in a jail. 4.30, lights on. 5 o'clock, breakfast. 6 o'clock. Five, between 5 and 6, breakfast. About 11 o'clock, lunch, which is two sandwiches in, in the jail. Two two bologna sandwiches and a pack of cookies stuck to that shit. That's, that's your lunch. That holds you over till 4 o'clock when you get your dinner. That's it. Now, that's just meals. Now, you're talking about politics. Of being in jail, being a white guy in jail, you either need to be able to hold your own or be able to be with the group. Even in jail, you have to find your way to to being okay. Borrowing is the wrong thing to do. Off top, borrowing to get your head split because if you don't know rules of engagement, hey, you uh, you good man? As soon as they, as soon as that, as soon as I see you come in, I've I've been standing in a doorway talking to an inmate, talking to somebody. And him addressing a new guy. This is in the prison and in jail. Standing there. Hey man, you good? How long you got? Okay. Hey, if you ever need something, holler at me. If you need some, you need some chips, something like that. So once I pass it to you, that's two in return. Mm. It's your job to find out. I'm telling you. Yeah. So when you come back, say, hey man, I got your chips. They're going to look at it and be like, bro, what that is? Where my other one at? Like, bro, you gave me one, so I'm giving you, no, the, the game is, I give you one, it's two for one. Yeah, nothing's for free. You feel what I'm saying? Everything has a cost on top of it. And if you don't know it, guess what? You better get your ass to it. I had a, I had a friend tell me once that uh, that cigarettes weren't the, uh, the ideal uh, contraband, that what people really snuck in was acid, because mm. LS, LSD, you know, you can, you can put that on, like, paper or, yeah. Anything that that was rare here. LSD is real rare in the prison stuff here. I didn't see that much. You'd have to get your your real spacey guys to figure out how to do that shit. Cigarettes was they were smoking cigarettes when I was at the prison, and then they phased it out, and it still became big. The big thing then was cell phones. Now they have the touchscreen phones and all that in, in prison now. But when I was there, it was flip phones. If you had a flip phone, a flip phone to go for four hundred dollars. Shit. Like if you're an officer, they gonna try you. Hey, that dude look cornball as fuck. Hey, hey, go tell. They gonna walk up to you like, hey, uh, hey, officer, you, you seem pretty cool. They gonna gas you up. You seem pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever need a little bit of money, man, let me know. And you be like, what you mean? As soon as you ask and inquire, they got you. Yeah. So it took me a while to figure. It. Well, I already knew it. Kind of be from around the block and all that, but I seen this Hispanic guy one day, right? So I'm working at E-Dorm in Madison at the prison of Madison. Every month they give you a receipt. So I look at the receipt. This motherfucker got 15000 in his inmate account. I said, God damn. I said, hey, bro, loan me some money. And I pass it to him. Everybody was like, damn, and just laughing and cutting up. So 
passed out everybody's sheet, walked up in the office, and I sat down. It's an open bay. On both sides, you have showers to your immediate um, sides, and then you have the day room in front, and then catacorner, you had your open bay area where they slept in the bunk beds and all that. So, the fat dude walked up to me, the fat Hispanic guy. He said, hey, Sorrell, so you good? I said, yeah, bro, I'm straight. He said, nah. So you good? Oh, like, yeah, 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 I'm good. He said, nah, man. He said, you know what you was talking about out there? He said, if you need something, holler at me. I said, man, if you don't get your ass away from that <laughs> But he was serious. Right. That shit is real. You can get, like, those dudes know what kind of cars you drive in the parking lot and never step foot out there. Like, they know everything about you coming in. Bro, that prison shit, I'm telling you, that shit will, it, it will, it will make you learn. That, being at the prison taught me a lot about life. It, it's so weird because the inmates train me. As soon as I, my first day on the floor, Sergeant walked in. He looked at me. He had the keys in his hand. He said, all right, man, I'm going to the child hall. He threw them at me. I worked like 4 to 12. He threw me the keys. All that shit. I don't know what to do. Inmate walked up to the door. He said, hey, Sorrell. He said, hey, officer. I said, what's up, man? He said, you new, ain't you? I said, yeah. He said, come in. He said, bring them keys with you. Pick the keys up. He said, hold your keys up. He said, hey, you see the one with like the third notch on it? He said, take that key. Come open up these two back doors and I'm going to help you. Went back there. Opened up the doors. Opened up both sides. He said, let them dudes in there. He said, fact. He said, I'm going to go over there. He said, hey, laundry, come on. Let's go. So I'm standing there. And they said, hey, what we do is every day you come in, we do we run laundry. Whole time they throwing soups, everything like <laughs> contraband, tattoo guns, all the shit going both sides. And I'm just looking like, and I, I they running game on me, but they're still doing the job. So I'm learning because I'm not saying nothing. So I'm saying I'm like, oh, I know they ain't supposed to do this, but I'm gonna sit there and soak it up right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird, and that taught me that you know, everybody's got to hustle, but. You know, at first, I thought these dudes were just going to pretty much abuse it. But it's like that's when I started learning that, man. Everybody has something. Like, these inmates ain't bad people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I've had conversations befriending people. I'm going to tell you, like, dudes getting beat up in prison and shit. That shit's real. Officers and all that. Man, that shit's real. But it's different. It's not like how people make it out to be. Like, I had an inmate tell me one day. So in Chaho, if you walk around like you've been around people before, all you got to do is walk around, knock on the table twice, and a dude will look up at you, he'll shake his head because he knows it's time to get up. You don't have to do nothing else. Right. That's all you have to do is tap the table twice. He'll be like, all right, Sorrel, I got you. So my first week, I did it. Black dude looked up at me, shook his head. It's a white dude sitting next to him, and uh, he got the little line up like, he, like he's black, so he got the little line up. Mm-hmm. So... He's got to try me a little bit. So he look up at me and he rolls out and put his head back down and keep eating. I look at the black dude. He look up at me and his eyes got big and he just put his head down like, shit, that's on you. <laughs> so I said, hey, man, it's time to go. So the white guy was like, hey, man, I'm about to be done. I said, okay, all right. So we left. They went to Wreckfield, came back to the door and we counted and I seen him in here. And then the inmate told me, hey, sir, I'm going to tell you straight up. Some dudes need to learn the hard way, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. I was like, what that mean? He said, hey, he said, I ain't trying to tell you what to do. 
He said, but sometimes, you know, dude don't learn till you get his ass whooped. Bet that. <laughs> Come in. Come in. And we talk pretty much. Mm. Hey, bro. Try me like that again. Hey, man, ain't nobody trying you. Listen, you interrupt me one more time. I have some problems. That's just what it is. You feel what I'm saying? It's just like in the street. Some people have to. I knew a guy in the jail here, man. He'll tell you straight up. Every now and then, you got to whoop my ass to keep me on track. You have to do it. Yeah. That's the he'll he'll beat his he'll beat off in front of you. He'll pull his dick out in front of you, and until you talk to him, he'll keep doing it. You have it's it's like Tylenol. You have to do it every two weeks. He ain't got to do nothing. He can be in the bed sleep. Hey, get up. As soon as he says something out the way, just get up. Just talk to him. Right. And then he'll he'll start acting normal. It's like he needed his weekly dose, and he would stay on a straight neck. Bro, I promise you that shit. It's weird, man. Like, and now seeing how how big it's getting in the street, how it's kind of overflowing. Like, people are like, man, that's this thing is fucked up. Some of those dudes ask you for a one. They're like, it's called a one. Let me get that one in, Sorrell. You talking all that? Okay. <laughs> all right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and that's where I develop my credibility <laughs> as an officer. I developed my credibility on the street because people knew me. And that was going back. That's what was so important about having somebody from the community. It's because I understand the politics. Hey, bro, I'll tell you what. Just like on, uh, if you, you've ever seen, um, End of Watch. So the guy went in there to arrest somebody, and the the, the, the game bank was talking talking cash money to him. He's a little Hispanic cop. So they fought in the in the dining room. Dude said, "Hey man, you beat my ass. I put on the cuffs and go to jail myself." Dude said, "All right, man." So they fought, and then the Hispanic dude, the police beat him. So he threw him the cuffs. He put the cuffs on, took him to jail. But after that, he got nut respect from the game banger. And the gangbanger told him when they had a hit out on him and shit like that. It's just, that's real life. Bro, I'm telling you, in the prison and everything. Dudes used to let me know that shit was like mafia stuff in there. Like Hispanics in Florida and the Florida prison run it. That's what I've heard. Bro, like, Hispanics, them some scared motherfuckers, boy. What's that? Was that uh, MS-13? That's more prevalent on the West Coast than it is. Uh... In Florida, if you're Hispanic, I don't care what you, you can be Dominican, Puerto Rican, Mexican, they all come to one group. It ain't like California where you have your Serenios and all that. They're one big family in Florida. Puerto Rican dude one day. I, I heard he was sleeping with one of the uh, food service ladies. So I went to him. I tried to tell on him at first. The, the, the captain didn't believe me. So he was like, no, nah, I don't believe that because I know her. She's good people. Okay. So I went to the inmate. I said, hey, man. Listen, I'm gonna tell you straight up. I just tried to tell on you that you sleep with a with a with a workout here. They don't believe me, so I'm letting you know that if I know this information, more people know it. So right. if they tell me, other people know. So I'm just putting you on game. I see you got your gold chain on, your blue new balances that are different from anybody out here. So I know you make moves out here. He just looked at me and started laughing. Swole up Puerto Rican kid. He said, man, he said, man, you know what? I like you. 
And we just cut up a little bit back there. So the next week, I went in the kitchen. They was having meatballs. See, when you work at the prison, you eat off the line. So the lady that he was messing with, she came to the she came to the to the door. She was like, "Hey, Sura, you want something to eat?" So she was like, hey, Sorrell, you want something to eat? I'm like, no, I don't want no damn meatballs, that nasty-ass food. She said, no. So the Puerto Rican dude came. He said, no, hey. He said, make Sorrell, play the chicken, blah, blah, put that sauce on it, blah, blah. I was like, what? They fixed me a big-ass plate of chicken. Barbecue chicken with, like, the best barbecue sauce you can ever eat. Honey mustard shit. That's when I started learning about his pool. All he did was sit in the back in the dry goods area. It's like rice. Cereal and all that shit back there. He didn't come out. So he called me in his office like he's on the street. So I come in, have a seat. I'm like, damn, have a seat? All right. So we back there talking in the kitchen in the store goods area. And we just kicking it. And he was like, hey, man, I'm going to tell you. Tomorrow, he said, something going on in Wreckfield. He said, when you go out there, just stand by the gate. I was like, shit, all right. He said, now, when you see what you see, he said, just move inside just in case. God damn, what the fuck that mean? So I'm standing by the gate, and everybody like, come to the basketball court, because all the black people hang out on the basketball court. The white guys walked around mainly, and they sat maybe on the baseball field, and Hispanics were just everywhere. They walked, do everything. So this Mexican dude out there, all you heard was like a loud whistle, a distinct whistle. Next thing you know, all the Mexicans from around the whole wreck field started coming in to the center of it. And they they circled the basketball court. I started shaking the goddamn gate. I started shaking. I said, let me in this motherfucker. <laughs> I started seeing that, but that taught me. I was like, and the dude looked out for me. It's like, you start learning those politics and shit. Mm-hmm. But that taught me how to navigate the street scene, the prison scene, and everything. I had a hit out on me in the prison system. Because I, I talked too much and people knew I knew too much. Yeah. But people respected me. And everywhere I've been since the prison, I've always gotten respect, whether it's on the street. But that's why it's so important that we always have people who who know ground level, like what's going on. Even in the street here, man, like, you dope boys always kept me informed. I could have made bus all day. Hey, bro, you know someone's so moving right now. And a lot of times, I just go out to watch. Right. Just to see how it moves, how it functions. Or the credibility of uh, the person giving you that. Bro, I'm telling you, I could have made so many cases, but it's about just knowing, knowing what kind of impact you can have, too. Like, is this your job is to always lock people up? Is this really your goal? Is it your goal to lock up anybody that, that that whole dope for somebody? Or is it about changing that mentality? You know what I'm saying? My goal was about changing the narrative. Right. It's not so much about he sells drugs, I'm a police, I got to have you. Nah. Bro, why do you sell drugs? Why do you do this? Why would you continue to sell to your community and you're killing your community? That was my goal. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's why I, be, that's why I always say we need more people like this so instead of complaining about the white officers you have to become one of you have to become a part of the solution you can't complain about the problem constantly Mm -hmm. 
if you're not going to be willing to be a part of the solution. Well, yeah, you can't you can't uh, expect to topple the the game board without knowing how to play the game right. first. You know what I right. mean? Uh, I've I've tried to tell that to some friends of mine that are especially last year, whenever all that uh, insurgency was going on, you know, with folks like burning down buildings, or quote unquote, mm. mostly peaceful protests mm-hmm. and all that shit. And I was talking with a buddy of mine who was just really disenfranchised about uh, like uh, the voting and everything. I was like, I was like, hey man, it's like you know, like I don't give a shit who you vote for, mm-hmm. right? But if you're disenfranchised, you should go out and vote for something. I was mm-hmm. like, it's, I was like, you you're not going to change your community by burning it down. Like that's like true progress comes uh, incrementally. Whenever you have a, a dramatic and drastic change, well, that's like an explosion. Mm-hmm. So like, no, like the, what you want to aim for is for planting a garden, not burning down the forest. Right. Right. Know? Right. And, but like this, this buddy of mine, he, uh, like I, I talked with him and I was, uh, Hammer to him, was like you know the the idea of, granted it's not republicanism anymore, but the fundamentals of that idea of like like hey, watch out over your community, make sure that your leaders in your community have your best interests, and then you can see that ripple out. What mm-hmm. you don't want, you don't want the state coming in and telling you guys how you need to live, and like it, it just clicked for him all of a sudden, just like like even though he's, you know, uh, I, I guess you would call it. A, anarcho-communist mm-hmm. you know but like this idea of just like you know if you want to change the world get rich then change the world mm-hmm. like like you kind of like what we were talking about earlier with homelessness and whatnot it's it, it all depends on like what what you want for your long-term goal so if you if your long-term right. goal is to i want to remove the stress of the material world right and that's your chief goal well then yeah the the vagabond life may seem more desirable to you right. but if you're wanting to have this idea of like well how can i create like generational wealth mm-hmm. well you're not going to be able to do it if you're destitute and being on the street like right. you're going to have no generational wealth because when you're gone your uh, descendants get exactly what you have which is nothing <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so but this uh this notion i, I push with him like whatever his ideas are of utopia as far as having a commune where everybody grows their own food and fucks each other's wives or whatever, whatever <laughs> they do. Um, but like, like it, it made sense to him just like, like that nobody had ever put that in his thought in his head before that thought that like, you know, your, your political aspirations or your community aspirations can be achieved but in order to do it, you have to get your hands dirty and play the game that everybody else is playing. That's true. Right. Right. Because, you know, it's, even even when it talks about building wealth, I'm going to tell you, too, you know, I learned that. And I try to explain it to even the guys in the street, like, you know, even the 1%. All one, the 1% was built on black of the black market or, or some kind of criminal activity. Even when you're talking about starting to build your wealth, like I don't knock you for selling drugs to get that. Right. But you need to have a plan once you start getting that money, turning that stuff over a little mm-hmm. bit, finding something to invest in and getting out. That greed and shit starts taking over. But it's like, bro, like, you know, I know this is kind of outside of what you were just talking about, but it's like, 
it just made me think about it, like, you know, I wish more people understood, like you, kind of like you said, just understood what their goal is. My goal would be to be stable. Like even if you sell dope, bro, you can you can turn it over and make start your own business, do something, and then just cut all that black market shit off. Yeah, I've I've had friends before that are hustlers, and you know, like you know, I'm 37 now, mm-hmm. and so like a couple of them when they start getting you know up around middle age as well, I've been like, hey man, like you, what do you what do you want to do in 10 years? You don't want to still be doing this, right? Because like, like I don't want to see you still doing this in ten years, right? You know what I mean? No four hundred one k for that. No, no. But I mean, plus like the um, when when you do something like clandestine, like hustling on the black market, you know, over time, while it may become more prosperous for you, it becomes more dangerous because more people know who you are. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that means you have more people that are thirsty for what you can provide right. or folks want to see you taken down because then they can take your entire network from you. Sometimes like here, it's not even based on uh, me trying to take it. It's just based on, I'm trying to get out of the situation I'm in. That's my experience. As soon as you get a person, man, got me um, a couple zips of meth. Next thing you know, hey, sorry, I'll tell you who got all of it. Oh, just like that? <laughs> sure, I, I'll take you to wherever you want to go. Just don't lock me up. Yeah. Dude, there was this guy, this was probably like 15 years ago. I worked with him briefly at Texas Roadhouse. And, you know, I don't know if you've uh, ever worked in a kitchen before, but kitchen staff, almost all, very few straight edge people in a kitchen. Right, right. So there are, like, I've got, I've got straight edge friends that, uh, you know, work in food service, but most of the times, most of the line cooks and staff in the back all they, come out of these programs out of prison and everything else. <laughs> they come out of jail, a lot of them. They do. Well, and that, but most of them, you know, they drink, they smoke, they mm-hmm. use. Mm-hmm. You know. I forget why I brought up restaurant industry. I'm sure it was really important and uh, <laughs> thought provoking. <laughs> it's just gone. It's well, just we, were gone. Ta- we were talking about um, just people telling and oh yeah yeah yeah. So this this guy, um, there was um, uh, one guy there who uh, he he uh, sold weed to all of us that worked in the kitchen. <laughs> well, a big time hustler or anything like that. Yeah. He went to VSU. He wanted to smoke for free while he went to college. So the way to do that is to well sell weed to your coworkers and mm-hmm. then you. That's your profit is right. what you know what you smoke. This one dude, he uh, pretty sure he was a, a butcher there briefly. He didn't work there very long, but he got uh, he got pulled over for a DUI one night, and to get out of a DUI, he ratted on our coworker, his his coworker as well, mind you, for a dime bag and. <laughs> dude he had this this guy I won't, I, I won't use his name but he had two roommates at the time one of the roommates didn't even know he knew he smoked but he didn't know he was like selling so fucking SWAT team shows up at his house thinking that he's like this kingpin of the area they have to take <laughs> they, they did him dirty man they took the the stems 
and the ash from his ashtray and added it to the scale. And they're like, well, that's technically marijuana. So <laughs> when, when they busted in there and saw that he had like a dime bag, they were like, well, this isn't the bust we thought it was. Well, we'll make it the bust. And then they started adding all that shit to it. But then this, this dude who ratted on him, he still shows up to work. Like, everybody knows it's him. And he, like, comes up to me, I guess, like, trying to get, like, some logic points or something. Like, like so I can empathize with him. He's like, hey, man, let me, let me ask you this. If, if you were in trouble and, and you, 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 you didn't have many options and, you know, like, you, you had to... You had to get somebody else in trouble to get you out of trouble. You, you, you understand what I'm saying. You do it too, right? Like, <laughs> no, probably not, man. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, from experience, all big names, big big people, all tell. Only It's only like Hispanics, don't. For nothing. Blacks, whites, of course. <laughs> Methods, oh yeah, they gonna tell it all. Oh, method, methods will tell you about the the wires the government is uh, putting their shoes. They talk about the drones in the in the sky watching, <laughs> bro. It, whites and blacks, that's in the dope game. They all tell all this, man. Listen, I'm I'm sticking to the code. Ain't no code. I'm gonna tell you straight up. Any inform, anytime a police comes to see you, it's because somebody told them about you. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nobody had what what person creates that much buzz to where police just see something like you know what I'm I'm gonna sit on this because I know it has to come from somewhere <laughs> yeah this person it's not their intuition that's just telling them that. if if somebody gets locked up that week and the next thing you know we're moving to a different person that should tell you a lot. Yeah. I'm not saying that this person in particular, but somebody within this group, if we come to your neighborhood, that same neighborhood, start knocking people off, like right at that left and right, that should tell you something right mm-hmm. there. And it's not saying that that person's bad. Is it? Is that is that so, is snitching bad? You know, um, I think New York has a theory, New York drug dealers. They say if like you're not a part of that lifestyle, Snitching is is not frowned upon. It's just what you do. You're a square. There's a lot of squares out there, but people think they're gangsters. It's snitching so bad. Do you want to take... And it's not saying that don't take your time. Like if you just bought a dime bag of marijuana and I'm arresting you for the dime, which is a misdemeanor, is that worth telling on somebody bigger than that? <laughs> I mean, it's it's what 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 do you hold your value in? You're not gonna stay in. You're not going to prison off that dime bag. So if you don't want that charge, you just have to understand the risk that come with it. Right. The street risk, because financially and 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 criminally, you don't have any risk with that. They're not going to really bug you. You might get put on probation. Right. But the risk is going to be how uh, they look at you in the street when you walk around mm-hmm. and they knock your head off. Dude, I was uh, so when I was living in Jersey, I had a. Uh, it's like the last. Not in my house. <laughs> but uh, my uh, my uh, my roommate, uh, one of the last roommates I had up there, like the last year that I was up there, he had uh, he had started hustling, and I told him sort of from the get go, I'm like, I'm like, hey man, like one, I don't know anything about it, mm-hmm. but. Two, like, 
if you're bringing people over to the house, you ain't just going to be running this like a corner. Like, bring the folks inside, right. have them sit down, have a cup of tea or whatever right, right. folks do. Right. But whenever I left, he was um, he was getting more and more wrapped into it. And I was like, I was like, hey man, I was like, you need to you need to get out of this game. He's like. He's like, oh, I'm already in it. I'm like, you you ain't in it the way you think you're in it. I was right. like, I ain't got a good feeling about it, and I think you should get out. He's like, all right, all right. So about uh, the next week, this was like one week before I left, uh, his uh, supplier got popped. And it had been, I think, his second or third time like getting popped. And me, in my mind, I'm like, well, that's not good. But... He, uh, you know, he he kept working with them. And after I moved down here, it'd been a couple of months, but his uh, his supplier had asked him to like come into Philly, and you know, meet him up to get goods, and had him uh, come up to his new apartment that he got. And he said when he got in the apartment, the dude was acting like kind of like sketch, like looking out the window and stuff. And then he uh, had uh, uh, my friend go ahead and uh, move uh, the product down to his car. <laughs> and put it in the trunk and he's like well why don't you come on back up for a little bit and we'll hang out and he went back upstairs to hang out with him and then <laughs> open up <laughs> <laughs> tell you man when it, when it come down to it he, he got he got busted pretty big man he had like some like two pounds or something like that like <laughs> ne- never had an offense before that but like like I told him I'm like, like hey man like I feel so good about this and your boy kind of got popped and maybe you should think a little differently because sometimes it's just like hey give me something I need something right now and a lot of people are like well should I yeah get my phone yeah but yeah to your uh, to your question uh, this this particular guy you know he he snitched down I I, I think that's a uh, low trait mm-hmm. you know what I mean like mm-hmm. if you're supposed to punch up. You right, know what right, I mean? right. And this dude was looking at, from what I gather, a serious time. And so then was like, well, what if I give you all of my guys underneath mm. me? And that's how he uh, worked out his deal. That's kind of stupid anyways for the police. Like, why would you do it that way? I wouldn't want that. No, bro. Give me give me who you get from. Yeah. I don't want your corner boy. I don't want who, who who peddles it for you. That's not getting me. I want that conspiracy. That's what a lot of them want. Yeah. Give me that conspiracy. Give me give me something. Don't yeah. give me that little that little nickel and dime. No. Give me one rung up, you know. But that comes with risk because once you go up there I, I've learned, man, even in the prison and on the street, it ain't hard to get touched. You know, I think the media, and I hate to give it and to, to, to actually admit it because of stuff that was said before back then. Music, television, video games do influence, and, and I believe it has desensitized people to death and just crime in general. I can see that totally. It does because you think about it. If you, if I kill people every day on Call of Duty for ten years, oh man, it's not saying that I want to be a killer. But when it comes down, if I'm getting in a fight and I got something, I have me an armory, 
it's not going to take much thought for me to pull a gun on you if I'm used to seeing certain imagery right. constantly. Right. It's like I'm programming myself every day. Right. Yeah. That's an uh, interesting point because I, I personally don't think that like media like that encourages violence, but I do think it desensitizes right. to violence. Right, right. I, I think that's the right approach to it, not with the you know, fire and brimstone, you know, burn all the books type of uh, mentality. But you know, that, that that still hurts because it hurts, like, even the black community. Everything we listen to is about shoot this, kill this, sell this, do this, blah, 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 blah. You look up at um, the R reality TV Fuck this bitch, slap this bitch, fat ass, big hoe, bitch, got a wig on, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, there's some hoes in this house. So, you, you get worked in it, and it's like, okay, well, this ain't as taboo and shit as I thought it was. Or shooting somebody isn't that big a deal. So, now, you got your, your issues come up. Hey, bro, I'm not going to talk to you too many times. Hey, bro, I don't fight. I shoot. It's like, okay, well, hey, man, listen, I'm not going to do too much of that. I ain't going to do too much talking. That gets me in the mind. It's like, you know what? Death ain't nothing, bro. Like, listen, I'll shoot the shit at you. You might be my cousin, but I will shoot you at And I've seen this, bro. Like, it's like, like people in Lakeland, like the guys, a lot of people, like where are we from? It's like they're getting this mentality like, death isn't nothing. Bro, this is your relative you're killing. This is your cousin's cousin or... I mean, fuck, like... Like, Willis got murdered over a fucking poker game, man. You know? Like, a fucking poker game. <laughs> it's fucked up, dude. It's, 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 even, even the recent ones. I don't, I know you don't know some of the recent people, but like, just the most recent one, uh, guy got killed by somebody he was taken care of, and then another per the other person was his cousin. He didn't have nothing. He didn't have anything. Yeah. Why kill him? Oh, somebody said it had something to do with his VA. He finally got approved. VA. Why would you kill him? How the fuck are you gonna access his VA? Yeah, they really think that one through. That makes no sense. <laughs> you're gonna kill him for money that has his name on it, but you knock him off. So how are you gonna? And then you ride in his truck the next day, and he's in the apartment dead, and then people know this shit. And you're in his vehicle. How much sense does that make? Dude, there was somebody uh, like last week. I don't know if you follow uh, Lowndes County 411 mm. or not. You know, the mugshot site. Mm. But there was some dude who, you know, was arrested for murder. Um, it was like a... Where's that? It's, it's kind of on the offset of the hood in Valdosta. It's where... Um, it's near there where the, the Langdale Lumberyard is. It's where Oak Street sort of... Yeah, cuts yeah. back in. There's yeah. that little Jiffy store right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Some dude murdered somebody. It was like over a barbecue. It was like an an, an argument at like a, like a backyard barbecue, and then I I guess shit was really that serious, and dude ended up uh, taking his gun out and shooting like his friend at the uh, at the barbecue. You know, most of the murders are always people that you know. Yeah. A lot of the murders that happened in Valosa, like a recent when I was policing and everything. It was all based on people that were close to the victim. That's crazy, man. Yeah. And that's crazy because can you really say everybody knows that death is permanent, 
But can you really say that you really understand that, that aspect of it? And this is where I say that the media and everything desensitizes you to it because you think it's nothing. You don't even place a value on it anymore until you get locked up and then you start realizing that your life is wasted and you just took this person for something so petty. Yeah. I see me like Willis, man. I was I was in the bed that night. Uh I was in the bed the night when he died. And then I was hearing the shots ring out, uh, trying to shoot the dude who shot him. Yeah. I don't know who was doing that. None of that. But I was in bed and I, it sounded like a fucking, sound like, uh, what do you call it, where they line them up and they just start shooting at the Firing person. Firing squad. Bro, that shit was ringing that night. Because it, it's funny, like I had like a, and a pip, like my mama came into the room late at night, about two in the morning. She said, uh, have you heard who just died? I'm like, nah. Automatically popped in my head. It's Willis. She said, yeah, Willis just died. I said, God damn. I said, man, that's crazy. And the next thing you know, all you hear is gunshot. Bum, 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 bum. I was like, God, who, who's doing that in Lakeland? I was like, because all of us are kin and related. Right. Who would be killing each other here? Who even killed Willis? And then I find out the next day when I went to the jail, the kid that done it, you know, Willis pretty much took him in, like in a way. He was he's that's why he moved so freely, is because Willis was always around him and didn't expect it from him. Yeah, it's, it's weird, man. It's like it, it's 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 weird. I put it like that. It makes you more cautious about uh, who you invest your time into, man. That's why I don't I don't go anywhere. I be around my kids a lot, and plus I look at it like this. If I'm going somewhere and you're not trying to go that same place or that same direction, it's no point in me having you around because that's like if we're trying to get to Miami, I don't want to go. I'm going to do everything to persuade you not to go there. Right. Man, I don't want to go, man. Any little thing I'm about to bring up to try to keep us from getting there and we're probably going to wind up going in circles because of all the shit I'm talking. Right. That's just like life. If you don't surround yourself with everybody who wants to be in the same position or go the same route or who has been there, you're never going to get there. No, I agree with that. There's um, this uh, YouTube guy. He's a financier named Dan Pena. Yeah. Brutal guy. Does not give a fuck about anybody's feelings. I really like him. But uh, he says that, uh, you know, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Mm. Mm. So... If the the people you choose to surround yourself with seem to be on a downward trajectory, mm-hmm. well, the likelihood that you're going to be pulled with them into that downward trajectory is not too far-fetched. That's true. That's why you see the recidivism rate the way it is, too, is because once people get out of jail, even if they'll get out of prison, even if they see that I need to make a change, but once you see that set of friends... And then you start talking to them again. You start looking like, oh, bro, you got a car? Oh, man, you got the new Jordans? Oh, man, you got all these girls because you got money in your pocket? And then you start hanging with them again. You might not be selling, but just because you're hanging around them, then you have the police looking. It's like, well, I know him. Mm -hmm. Who's this guy? He already went down for 10 years for selling dope. Oh, he's back at it. All I got to do is watch him again. And it could be a little blunt. 
That blunt is going to get you years because you might still be on papers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you just messed up your future because you took your ass to the same place that put you there. Yeah. That makes no sense. Like, oh no, man, that, 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 that is everyday life right there for most people getting out. Well, it's like the uh, comfort of familiarity with, right. you know what I mean? Right. So like, and maybe that's also why like, uh, you know, when folks get a little older and they uh, decide to go back to church or go to church and then they become like like the biggest fan of Jesus that you'll right. ever meet and they're just like oh man let me have you got it really makes me think of this bible verse right, right, it's right. like bro we're literally talking about butthole sex <laughs> <laughs> why why is Christ coming to your mind when right. we're talking about anal pleasures sir? <laughs> yeah but, but, the, but they will they'll like latch on to like whatever the group is doing i'll see mm-hmm. this a lot with like kind of like the woke secular crowd now mm-hmm. where it's just like like you're right gang we need to get rid of all these white people you know what i'm talking about it's like dude i'm white shut the fuck up quit talking to I, me I, can't, I can't i can't stand shit like that man like this this new because i think anything that the corporate america pushes money into I, I, I watch it because it's an agenda behind it. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Totally. That's, that's even like the the um, the riots in Atlanta and then it was some in D.C. Mm-hmm. when they were starting the, the protest. Now, I'm not saying all the black people were nonviolent, but I watched videos and I watched tons of them. There were pallets of bricks sure. being placed strategically in places. And then you started seeing corporate America passing money to people to throw these bricks. Hey, we're going to start tearing this shit down. Here go a couple hundred dollars. Let's let's tear this shit down. Yeah, well, even the, you know, our current vice president, like she was setting up like these, I guess you call trustees or whatnot on, uh, on Twitter and whatnot to bail these people out. And like... There was one clip I saw it was somewhere in L.A. And there was this, like, you know, a scrying little white dude that's, like, busting windows and mm. spray painting. Mm-hmm. This crip walks up, like, full blue gear. was like, get the fuck out of our neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've like, seen that. I've like, seen that. you don't live here. Yeah. Like, and he's like, oh, Black Lives Matter. He's like, I don't give a fuck what you're talking <laughs> about, Black Lives Matter. See, that's why I don't like that shit because it's like... You start to see these legit groups and organizations get infiltrated for a different agenda and it distorts the view. Totally. And then for the people in a community like this who know who don't know shit, who are ignorant to anything outside of this area, you start, oh, Black Lives Matter, that's bullshit. No. The movement is is legit. The people that are funding it and trying to push this other shit. Mm. Those are the problems, but you can't look past the issue and then say, well, there's not a problem there. Hell, because the shit they're doing, they're doing. Yeah. No, it's based on two different things yeah. now. There's an organization called Black Lives Matter that is a money laundering scheme, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. No money goes back to black American communities from it. If it does, very, very little. Like breadcrumbs of breadcrumbs. Even- but the philosophy that drives the movement behind it about being. Uh, culturally conscious hmm. to be able to look objectively at things and be like, 
you know, there there's some disparities on a societal level that we've kind of just swept under the rug and be like, right. well, well, we'll deal with it later. Right. When it doesn't get dealt with later, well, I mean, all that shit is just piled up and it becomes a powder keg. So then you have this movement, like you're talking about, like corporate America. Like, if all the major corporations are pushing the same message, it's not very grassroots punk rock authentic, in mm-hmm. my opinion. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's kind of like during a, like Pride Month. Where like all of the uh, you know like uh, the uh, General Mills cereals and Coca Cola, Netflix, all be like like we're here to celebrate Pride Month with mm-hmm. you. It's like all right. So what happens July first? Nobody cares about gay people anymore. That's your, uh, <laughs> that's your, that's but, your uh, movement. You know, same way with uh, with you know like uh, like Black Lives Matter, where it's um, it's become so cheap and commercialized. Man. Yeah, and yeah. it's. It seems to me that it's marketed more towards white people than it is to black people. I'm going to tell you how it is. Because, and I think this is, I'm kind of mixed on it, right? Because it's encouraging now, let's be honest, even now to this day, whites still have an institution whether it's I mean, like educational institutions to themselves. You can say, okay, there's a spec here, spec there. Some places are still dominated where whites have a sense of their culture. Hispanics have the same thing. It's an influence. I don't know what it is, bro. It's, a, it's an influence into ridding black people of their own things. And it's not saying that we can't be together, but like that's like the HBCUs. You know, they don't they don't want to call them they don't call them black colleges anymore because the government is giving them funding if they open up registration to all. I'm I'm a little conflicted there because it's a certain tradition and a certain pride in just knowing that these are our top schools for education that we built from a certain point to now, and we were able to maintain it. And then now we conform for a dollar here, there. It, 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 it kind of messes my head up a little bit. It's like, you see more black people, you know, we're just opening this up, but over here, it's like they're still keeping black people away from certain things. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like that ain't fair. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to put a dollar on a tradition, on a. And it's not, that wasn't even promoting black superiority. That was just promoting, hey, we take pride in our own. We're going to educate each other mm-hmm. to the highest level we can. It wasn't about, hey, we're better than you. We never promoted that as, as you know, as a as an entity, we never promoted it, but it's just having that that one thing that you could hold on to, and it's like we're giving all our culture up. Yeah. Well, like what's weird is that, like you know, everything still this day is like this push to be. Yeah, what's, what's the term? It's it's probably a fake word, but Europeanized. You know mm. what I mean? Like, like and you know, I, again, like we. We, we left the shackles of Europe a long time ago. Right. And, but yet, like, this 
notion now that like is being pushed just like well the the eu like can you believe they they want to have closed borders at the eu it's like well what what does what does the country want for itself like because italians are not like germans they're you know what i mean the <laughs> mm-hmm. the dutch are not like the spanish you know what i mean so like the they have this ability in the eu where like they'll like the they'll have the german elections right mm-hmm. and the german citizens vote for their electors, same thing with the Spanish and the the Dutch and all this, but they don't get to decide who the other country's electors are, and yet they're still a part of the same hmm. government itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, there, the, I get what you're saying with uh, going back to the uh, historical uh, uh, black uh, uh, colleges and universities. That there, there is this notion because it's not quite segregationist, but the practices are similar to how segregationists operate, right? Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, it's a private university. Mm-hmm. Harvard can pick and choose whoever they want to right. go to their school. Right. I, I think that any school should be allowed to, to do that. Plus... You don't want this hive mind mentality being pushed through all the the universities. I, th- I think that's a big problem we see where the the um, social sciences seem to all be pushing just like well, there's there's one belief and we're just going to be pushing that out. Mm-hmm. The the idea of having like a, a black college is that you were able to take this a a subsect of american culture and say that there is an entire swath of intelligence to be found right, in here right. and we want to promote this so it doesn't just get lost in the uh, sands of time like you know american indians history has right, become right so like i i get i get your point where it's like you you don't want to come necessarily out and just say like well yeah they should only let black people go to that school right but at the same time if that's how the university wants to operate let them operate it's just fucked up how they try to they force feed it to you hey you want this money well start opening them fucking doors and we'll give you all the little mm-hmm. funding you can get well, like, no, no, fuck no. why are you even giving the funding before that right. like, well now they're pushing the um was it the critical race theory which it, it's the the critical theory is that you take Anything, any idea that somebody gives you, any institution, and you critique it till you convince the audience that it's a, a, a an evil, basically. Mm. And the the I don't want to say cool, but an interesting thing about the uh, critical theory is that it, you can't really beat the critique because you can always find something to critique. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's one of the big driving factors of cancel culture and. The idea of what is uh, cancel culture? Um, I don't watch TV much. So. Cancel culture to be succinct with it would be justifying censorship because it goes against community standards. So you know, like think about like posts online where they're like, uh, like well, this goes against our community standards, Uh-oh. but it's then taking it to like this this lens where you look at. Everything like like now it's like uh, what was it uh, Pepe Le Pew? The, I can't stand the, the shit. Just the whole gay game. thing and all this. You can't say certain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bro, I can't. I can't stand it. Like, why the fuck are you so sensitive? And I don't know. I'm not gonna say anything that that might get you 
<laughs> but it's just like we need to get rid of all of the Koreans. It's just, just every last one of them. I think D.L. Hughley said I'm it kidding. best when it comes to certain things. Like you know how you can take a dick, but you can't take a joke. Like God damn, yeah. even when it comes to certain. Things, I had plenty of gay friends, and we cut the fuck up. And then you got Pepe Le Pew talking about this motherfucker is like a serial rapist. <laughs> I have never seen Pepe Le Pew fuck anybody on TV. Not once. Not one time. <laughs> he tries to get his kisses, but Jesus, Lord, it, I just don't understand how we've became so sensitive, and they've made created bitches out of men in society because it's like what we're promoting now and, and the things that are being done, whether it's in school and everything, bro. I, I don't. I don't even like fucking cell phones as much. I like mine because I know how to look beyond. The game apps. Right. This is an encyclopedia. This is a way to push business things in your hand. My kids don't know this. Right. You're so fucking stupid. How the fuck do you fail online schooling? You got a computer and then you have a phone right here. A computer asking you a question and an encyclopedia in your hand. How the fuck do you fail that? Because it's just a device used for pretty lights and sounds. They're teaching these kids to be idiots. Mm -hmm. And all of these cancel cultures, all this shit, you're teaching... This shit is stupid. All of it. I agree. I think it's um, uh, cosmic superficiality. Like, it doesn't do anything in the grand scheme of it. You know, no knowledge is being acquired from there. Nothing new is being created, Right. The, the only thing it's doing, in my opinion, is creating distractions in order to get people emotionally invested in something. We're still having the conversation. So what good is it to cancel it? Yeah. We're still going to talk about it. We're still going to talk about why it can't be. Mm -hmm. And what does that do for you when you think that people aren't supposed to talk about you like that? And then you go in society and they fucking tell you a new asshole yeah. because you're not used to hearing it. Yeah. You can't tell me what the fuck to say to you when I'm in public. I can say whatever the fuck I want to. Sure. But I could have prepared you for that in TV and in this and in this. Because if you have a son that's a homosexual. But see, he's not used to getting talked to a certain way. Or he's not used to being criticized. In school, we were brutal to each other. But that made you tough. Yeah. It made you look at it differently. Like, hey, that motherfucker's just talking. He ain't got shit anyway. My kids come home and they start crying about you. Oh, they talk about me. Man, get some nuts, motherfucker. <laughs> talk back. Punch them. Do something like yeah. But you think I'm supposed to baby you. You're a fucking man. Go out there and be a man. Sock him in his shit. Well, Mr. Derrick, you're going to get mad. Who gives a fuck? Get that ass whooping too. <laughs> like, why have you become so scared to be who you are? And it's like, I, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. That's why I like people like Dave Chappelle who says what the fuck he wants to regardless of how it's seen in the media. Maybe because he's so rich. I've developed that attitude as well. I don't care what people think. Yeah. I don't care that you're offended by it. You're offended by it? Okay. But I'm not saying it hurts your feelings. I'm just saying what my opinion is about it. I don't like this. You do. Who gives a fuck what I think about it? Yeah. There, there, is a, there is a push though. I, I think that uh, I think too many Times people use the term they're trying to feminize men. I don't think that's just. I think they're just trying to weaken 
a generation of, of men. Um, and I'm sure there's numerous reasons for that, but it, whenever we're pushing this idea that, like you're talking about, where it's like, well, they're, they're getting mad at me. They're saying words to me. You're not doing anything about it. It's like, well, things are going to get a lot worse the older you get. So mm. you're either going to have to get some thicker skin and just bottle it all up and create something else with that energy, or you're going to have to stand up for yourself. Like, I think I was in second grade or third grade, like, and like I, you know, because my, my mouth and my brain would always get me in a, in trouble with uh, some mm-hmm. of the other students. So I had to, you know, deal with bullies and whatnot. But the, the, the first time I punched back on a bully and I saw the fear in their eyes as, a, as opposed to like them, like being the, you know, the powerful one and whatnot. I was like, oh, shit. They've only been doing this because nobody stood up to them. Right. Right. Right, right, right. Bro, I don't know. This shit, that shit gets me angry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Stuff like this, it, 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 it gets me fucking furious. Just the whole notion of... I could talk about my kids being sensitive as fuck all, all day. I ain't even gonna get into that. <laughs> That's a subject in itself right there. It's just weird, man. Like, education and shit all together. Like, it's so different. And why the, why the fuck are they making so many changes these days? Like, the math. We're going to do decomposing math. And you have to do it this way. I taught, I, tra- I trained, I taught them to, to do it the way I was taught. I said, they can't fail you. Long as that answer is the same and you show how you got it, how can they fail you? And they still fail it. And I went the fuck off. How are you going to fail him? I used to get failed in class, in math class, but I used to do a lot of shit in my head. Mm-hmm. And I used to get failed because I didn't show my work. Yeah, I same. I don't do well like that. Like, Well, like some of the times, like, especially like something like chemistry or algebra classes, I, I would look at like a, a problem, right? And I would look at the numbers and I'd be able to say, well, the answer is 16. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, why is it? It's like, well, because this number and this number have this in common, and the lowest number between them is 16. So right. it has to be 16. Right. Because that would be the first number to come across in a number line. Right. But in their mind, like, no, that's wrong. I'm like, well, what's the correct answer? Like, well, 16. I'm like, well, how's that wrong? <laughs> right. How is it wrong? If you ask me to go to the store and bring you 10 fucking apples, and right. I come back with 10 apples, you're like, no, wait a second. How did you pick the apples? What street did you go on to get to the store first? Wait, let me ask you that. Wait a second, Farmer Brown's? This is not from a grocery. Oh no 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 no! We can't have this here. Right, right. I can't accept this. See, I, I, I just I'm baffled by the way the I think schools are now are getting into they don't even teach cursive. <laughs> no. But what are most professionals right in? Dude, there was this thing like um, like five or six years ago where Sesame Street put out like a press release saying that they understood the show was too advanced for their target audience and they were going to be simplifying the lessons down. It's like Sesame Street's target audience is toddlers. So you're saying that toddlers, which have the, from what I can tell, the, the best spongy brains as far as retaining information that mm-hmm. you have is in that first five years or so that 
talking in Spanish and counting the numbers and learning your ABCs and this stuff is actually too advanced and they need to dumb it back down. You know my fucking my fucking teenagers, my daughter can or my girls can. The boys they, they can't read an analog clock. They just learned to read it in the past year. I said, motherfucker, what time is it? Um I'm like, man, look here, man. <laughs> you telling me you can't read that clock? What the fuck are they... They don't teach this in school. What the fuck do they teach? They don't teach you cursive. They don't teach you how to read a clock. Yeah. What do you see when you go in any building? Analog clock. What do you, they write in whenever they give you a prescription? Whenever your professors write back to you? What do they write in? Cursive. It's like... I, I'm... I'm lost. <laughs> School is supposed to be where you're learning the foundation to life. Yeah. Well, and now, like, everything's done through, like, Zoom. So, like, people are like, well, kids can still get a, a healthy education through the computer. It's like, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm willing to, right. to, to nod along with that. They're not getting the social interaction, though. Right. And, like, right. that's a big part of school is not just being in the classroom but it's like okay now you all have to go outside somebody may get their ass beat somebody may cry and lose the game somebody may fall off the slide and break their arm who knows you have to learn because you have to be kids but even in classroom settings just like what we talked about earlier we learn best audibly what about those kids who can't sit down in front of they can't even watch you right on the board now you want to do it in front of a computer and then you only give them an hour, not even an hour worth of time to speak to you as a teacher. Usually they get two hours in class. Now they're only getting like 30 minutes to talk to you. And then you give them the independent work. This motherfucker can't read on his own. Why would you give him independent? I don't get it. And I said, this is what I said before. And I don't care how anybody takes it. When the school, the virtual learning started, I said black kids are going to be most affected. Why? Black kids will be most affected because it's not saying that all whites have money. I'm not going to even say no stupid shit like that because that's not true. Because you have your, everybody has has their financial structure and shit like that. Right. But here, around here, a lot of the black kids that go to like Veloster High and Veloster Middle, these kids stay in like bad parts of town. These kids don't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, they don't have a MacBook. So, I, I, I argued with one of the teachers about some shit through one of my kids. I said, what if we don't have fucking Wi-Fi? I said, the, the teacher, the school needs to supply the computer and a Wi-Fi to all students. Because if my tax money is going to the school and you're telling me the only thing you're supplying is a computer, what about all this money through the year? They need to be giving us uh, kickbacks yeah. then. I said, they need to supply the Wi-Fi because all these black... Teacher said, uh, well, you can just go to McDonald's. Who the fuck, who told you that? Tell them to call me with that bullshit. Go to McDonald's. You want me to send my, I'm not sitting at McDonald's with that motherfucker all day. Yeah, right. You want me to send my kid to McDonald's on his own with all those crazy people up there to do his fucking schoolwork? That does sound like something that would come out of like the Trump era America. Be like, we shut down all the schools for the virus. But don't worry. We have a great company, McDonald's. They're going to be making sure that no child is without any education. 
How? They can biggie size their learning <laughs> directly. Bro, that is the most ignorant shit I've ever heard. And even at the school now, you have the STEM building, which where your kids who make better grades go. Predominantly, most of the kids who are in this program are white. But like, look at how that shit looks. When you go in the morning and it's cold outside, Guess who the kids can go inside and sit in the lunchroom where it's warm at? STEM kids. Yeah. They walk by all these black kids. Their parents drop them off. Parents can leave. While we're sitting in line trying to drop our kids off so our kids can stay warm, their kids go straight into the building. They get to leave early, do all this shit. And it's like, look at how the fuck you're programming people. And you get, look what these kids are thinking. They're better. Even though you have your two specs. Because now... Those kids are going to pick at those kids for being different and being able to go to those things and achieve greater. It's like you're creating this imbalance purposely. And it's like they don't want to hear me talk about it. But that shit ain't right. That shit is stupid. And then you wonder why you have the issues you have in the way you do. It's like you're training these kids from the bottom to see that there's a difference between the two. And that, that can't be. You know what I'm saying? That That's one thing I, I kind of liked just about school because a lot of times you have motherfuckers dumb as a rock. Our classes were always mixed because mm-hmm. it didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Unless you took, what was it, college prep? But our classes were still real diverse. It wasn't like, oh, yeah. it wasn't like how they're doing it at Boston Middle. That shit there, your main classes, like your regular classes, are dominated by blacks. The STEM building is where all the other kids go, unless they're white kids and they're kind of problematic or just not as advanced. That's fucked up. Because yeah. even with those white kids, you're teaching them that you're different. You're trash. You're trailer trash. Yeah. Because that's the label, whether you stay in a trailer or not. If you identify financially in a similar aspect to some of the blacks, you're looked at as trailer trash regardless. You know what I'm saying? That's fucked yeah. up. That's a fucked up shit, man. Because yeah. whether you believe it or not, niggas ain't just black. You got white niggas. They don't know that they are. You got Mexican ones. You got Chinese ones. A lot of people don't understand this concept. I think the way we view that word now is based on economic status and just social status. And you have people of all races who are that who don't know that they're that. Like a lot of these white people who voted for Trump. You are a nigga. But you don't know it. You are. You ain't benefiting from shit this man is putting in place financially. But you're sitting here, hey, I want to be, I'm on Trump's back. Well, tell me something Trump is, is doing for you then. Tell me something you're benefiting from. Well, Trump is giving us all these tax breaks. You're, you're not making anywhere close to what will qualify you for that tax break. No, you don't make six figures. So so, so what the fuck are you talking about? Well, Trump, he, he has... I love his the way he thinks. What the fuck has Trump said that is so goddamn mind-boggling, except his stupidity? Except minimizing and, and degrading people. What has he said that was so intelligent? I've never heard one intelligent statement coming from him. Not one. It don't... I, man, this shit. It's, but it starts from school. Starts from school. 
and they're, they're just raising these kids to be ignorant as fuck, regardless to, to fit like a certain, I don't even know what the fuck they're doing these days. It seems like our, our whole society is headed downhill. All of it. I agree. <laughs> America isn't what people, would I want to live anywhere else? Shit, I don't know. I haven't been anywhere to figure it out. Right. People say, oh, America's the best country. How the fuck do you know? Have you been to all of them? I mean, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's better than you know Libya, where they they have uh, slave trades on YouTube. Right. <laughs> but but have you been to China or some of these places? Like some of these black people, I, I watch YouTube and I watch these uh, certain people from sports, even professionals, just yuppies. They move to uh, certain parts of Asia, like Japan and Korea and stuff like that, and they talk about how nice it is because. They don't get seen the same way. You're American. You're not black. You're not white. You're American. Right. That's the only difference. Oh, look at that motherfucker over there. He's American. That's how they view you. That's the only difference they see in us as people is we're American. Which is pretty cool if you think about it. We don't even have that view here. No. <laughs> I told your mama one time when I did the SATs and shit, I put I was white on it. I said, what the fuck do they need? To know what color I am. I, I usually put uh, uh, other as far as the, the race goes. I told your mom that. She was like, good. She was like, don't. She was like, that makes no sense. I was like, I'm white today. I'll be Chinese tomorrow. I'll be Hispanic. What the fuck do you need to know that for? I'm uh, ethnically fluid. Bro, this, this, I, I, sometimes I'll, if I ever come into a sum of money, that's what I want to do. I want to travel. I want to see shit. I want to see things that I haven't seen before. And I think that's the key to life, man, to kind of figuring out where you want to be. We've been boxed in so long that we think this American lifestyle that's being promoted on TV is what it is, but all that shit is entertainment. Yeah. Like when I went to LA, I woke up. I went to, like I said, I went to the Walk of Stars and I thought that shit was going to be glamorous. And it was bullshit. Skid Row extends into like the upper hills and shit. It's like, and it's not judging it from the homelessness. It's just judging it from what you see. It's like, man, this shit ain't what it is. Now, Beverly Hills is nice, but not like Hollywood. Beverly Hills is just shows you where you'll never be able to get. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's all that is. You can get to Hollywood, though. Hey, you see this, this house? You're never going to walk in this, but it looks nice from over my all those bushes, don't it? Rob Lowe once vomited <laughs> in the bush out front. Like, I, my wife won't walk right around and look at rich people's house. For what? <laughs> so I can minimize my life and realize, <laughs> like, what the fuck do I want to do that for? <laughs> fuck no, I'm not riding and looking at that shit. She got mad at me because I wouldn't do it. Why? What, what joy would I get out of seeing someone else live to where they don't have to work and I got a slave over here just to get up here to see this. Yeah. Like that's that's seventeen that's, TikTok stars live in this one mansion. Like ooh. But see that's what they that's that's see that's what pisses me off about entertainment. These kids like my kids, they're so consumed with what they think is true. Then you get over here and realize people don't live like that. Yeah. Like Atlanta like it's this the Real Atlanta Housewives when I went up there for um, training one time a young lady 
who hung out with one of the people's daughters. She explained to me that. She was like, you remember that episode where they went to the furniture store and she bought all her daughter, all new furniture? They're like, yeah. She said the next week they came and picked all that shit up because she couldn't afford it. But they did that for TV. I was like, see, that's that bullshit. But kids and these young girls, they start thinking that this is where I need to be. Yeah. This is what I got to have. No, I didn't see on TV where we got to live 20 deep in this five-bedroom house. I don't want to do that. But that's what it takes. Yeah. They don't realize that some of these actresses have to work off their back for a few years before you get a good gig. Some of them got to lay down. Yeah. You don't want to, but... Depends on what you want to happen afterwards, you know? Because a lot of them will tell you, like the casting couch, I watched a lot of videos about that. I said the casting couch is really a bed. Yeah. That's how you get cast into Hollywood a lot of times. What you want to do? You want to suck? You want to do this? That's for men and women. Men doing men. Like like I learned in the entertainment industry. Like you see a lot of things come out about like Puff Daddy and shit like that. Like Puff Daddy tell, hey, if that man has sucked my dick, he's willing to try to make it in life. God damn. I got yeah. to suck my dick. <laughs> got to suck a dick to put a record out? Like Jesus Christ. That's why they call a bad boy. <laughs> You're a bad boy, Sean. I guess puffing on Puff Dad is puffing on his dick or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, that's why he changed it to P. Diddy. That's that's crazy, man. Like it's just everything is doing it, and these kids are watching it. They're watching these YouTubers, but a lot of these kids want to be YouTubers, but you don't have the charisma to be a YouTuber. Oh yeah, well I mean, think about like. Aside from the charisma, you also have to have visual appeal. So, right. like, you better be good looking and have like a tight little body to go with right, it. You right. know, you you got to be able to have some sort of talent as right. well. And maybe that talent's just superficial. I mean, you know, some uh, stars go viral because they make like orgasm faces on a camera. Right, you know? right, like, right. Oh, she's great. Right. It's like, is she? Is she, Brad? It looks like she's just rolling her eyes around in her head. <laughs> but you know, I told my my. So I was like, man, I was like, you know, you want all these jobs where you see people making a whole bunch of money, which is good. But you don't want to learn and have a skill to kind of fall on. I say that's like in school, you're not trying to learn this base, this core material that they're teaching you. Really, the most important things to me in school that you learn is, of course, English. Learn how to speak, because when you get in society... You need to be able to speak differently no matter who you're in front of. When I talk to regular black people, I should be able to speak like we do. When I get in corporate America, I need to be able to speak properly so people don't box me into a certain category and push me to the side. Right. You should be able to be diverse in the way you engage people. So English is important. Math is important because you need to be really finance so you can be financially literate because that's one thing that they didn't teach in the South. They taught that in places like uh, I heard uh, Valwood teaches how to balance checkbooks and all that. Yeah, we had like a brief finance lesson in civics class. That's not worth the fuck. No. Because they're like, oh, you take out a loan for a car. It's like, I'm 15, sir. That's like I told, I told my son, I said, with these things that you neglect, let's, let's break it down. I said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Basketball player. I said, okay, you break your leg. What are you going to do? He said, well, I'll get better and I'll play basketball. I said, okay, sir. 
You break your leg to the point where you can't play basketball. What the fuck are you going to I say, you know what? Fuck it. You play basketball. Let's say you get your first check over five years for a million dollars. Right? He was like, okay. I said, now, what's the first thing you're going to buy with your money? So I'm going to buy my mama a house. I said, okay, that's what's up. Me and your mama going to stay in the house. How much that house going to cost? He was like, I said, it can't be more expensive than yours. Let's keep it, let's keep it low budget. Two hundred thousand you can give us for a house, right? That's that's average. He was like, okay, yeah. I said, what's the next thing you're gonna get? He said, a car. I said, what kind of? No, he said, you're gonna get you a house, right? He was like, yeah. I said, okay, what kind of house are you gonna get? It has to be more than ours. Three, four hundred thousand. I said, okay, that's good money. So now you're up to what six, seven hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So what what you want now? I said, you're gonna have to get a car, right? He said, well, it depends on how much money I got left. I said, well, it's, it's funny that you mention that now because already you spent $700,000. Your contract was only for a million. And it was over five years, but your first year you was going to make $150,000. I said, so your first year you're in debt. Yeah. And each year after that, you're already trying to work off that debt so you never see profit from it. I said, do you see where I'm going with that? He just looked and uh, I said, bro, listen, this is where a lot of the athletes go wrong at is because they don't understand finance and they don't understand the lingo when they go in these offices and they speak to the investors or they speak to the agents and then they get abused in that. Yeah. And then you wonder how this motherfucker took all your money. Well, hell, you made a 1.0 GPA and that doesn't define you as an educated person. It's just you don't get it. But I know you need me. So all I got to do is say, hey man, you see this contract? 500 million. Sign that shit. Sign it. All you're going to do is see the 500 million. Next thing you know, I'm getting 80% of that. Yeah. You know Thanks. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I, I tried to call Mr. Sorrell. His, his phone ain't working. Oh, that's so sad. He just stepped out. <laughs> Hear you in the background. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that tough? Hey, tell him his check just hit. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm riding in a Camry. You got a Bentley. Hey, listen, it pays cost to be the boss. You know what I'm saying? Camry's a fantastic vehicle. <laughs> you know the mileage on those things? Almost pound for pound as far as gasoline intake, what what my uh, what my Bentley can get. Like, listen, you complaining? My oil chaser costs $1,000. How much do those cost? 40 <laughs> You don't want to be this wealthy. Come on, yeah, Let's weigh out the options. What's worse, being... Me and paying all these taxes or not paying any. Look, I had to I had to kick three hoes out of the house this morning. <laughs> Do you know like breakfast alone, how much money I had to spend? And it's just trying to teach the support to these kids, man. It's like kids are stupid these days. Well, I had to like listen to, like whenever my dad was talking with me about like music and stuff, he's like he's like he's like, Okay, so what do you want to do with it? I was like, I don't know. He's like he's like, you know, there's like there's a lot of rock stars, he's like but there's not that many. Mm. He's like, he's like, he's like, and you know, it's like it's a pretty tough racket to get in there. He's like, you might want to think about having some other options on the table. And of course, in my mind, I'm like 18. I'm just like, man, whatever, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> You're old. You just don't get it. So what? What made it sink in for you? Um, after I moved to Jersey, and like I didn't have a network up there. I didn't have people I knew. Um, 
and then like shit hit the fan like I lost a house uh, somebody made a, a Molotov cocktail uh, bomb and uh, yeah no shit blew up uh, my living room came home and uh, that was a rough night but uh, my roommates didn't know this was on uh, October 30th 2009 outside of uh, Blackwood, New Jersey. And my roommates didn't know, I had uh, 12 hits of LSD in my bedroom. Not their business to know, but um, the arson detective found it. And we lived in a school zone. Mm. And in New Jersey, that would have been seven years per hit, because it's manslaughter, even though LSD has no toxicity to it, still, it's manslaughter. So I would have been looking at 84 years in uh, prison so this arson detective like I like just to be real man like I've never had this fear come over before I would have sucked this dude's dick in front of everybody I've ever met if it would have kept me out of handcuffs that night like just be like alright call my mom and dad tell them to get here I, I will wait for them sir you just get that <laughs> dick ready cause I'm gonna suck it so good Num, 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 num. I will debase myself in front of everybody. Ask for seconds after you're done if it'll keep me out of fucking handcuffs for for this LSD. Um, but he um he uh he came up to us and he asked uh, if there's anything in the house we want to disclose. Now my you know my brother's an attorney, so immediately I'm just like, no, I'm not saying anything. And one of my roommates was like. Uh, if you find any weed in the house, it's mine. Now, my and for those who are listening, like I, I know, I may have told this story before, but um, you know, his um, the when the explosion happened, uh, the house, like from where you're looking at, you're looking across the street. So here's the front of the house, living room, kitchen, one bedroom, upstairs, two other bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Very simple house. So everything in the living room is gone, like from the explosion and the fire, gone. All the windows on the ground floor at the front of the house are all blown out from the explosion. His bong collection is still there, standing tall, (laughs) withstood the explosion. But you can see them, like, all lined up in his bedroom because he has the room right next to the explosion. So the ours detective sort of looks at, like, that's his bedroom, and he puts his hands up like, hey, he's he's like, I'm not too concerned with that. He's like, just trying to make sure, you know, you guys aren't, like, like dealing out of the house. I'm like, fuck no, we ain't dealing out of this house. He's like, all right. He comes back like five minutes later and uh, you tell he's got something he wants to say and he doesn't really want to talk about it. He's like, fellas, is there anything else in the house other than the weed that maybe we would find? My other roommate chimes in, well, there might be some mushrooms somewhere. Architecture sort of shakes his head because he thinks he's fucking with him now to be like yeah, like, yeah. like oh I, maybe I have mushrooms like that's less and he's like well you know if you have mushrooms you might as well just say that you have acid LSD and my roommate has he thinks he's just like fussing at him he's like yeah you're right officer you're right <laughs> he's in my fucking head he doesn't realize that he's in my head I'm like my roommates don't know I have this like they have no idea and now this detective thinks that like he's like putting pieces together. I'm just sitting here quietly, just like I'm telling you, sir. I'll suck that dick. <laughs> I don't want to vocalize it. I still got that card in my back pocket. Right. But he, dude, he came back out like about ten minutes later because after he said that, he just like stormed off, and I'm just like, oh fuck, what's this detective doing? He's calling for backup. I'm like, 
comes back. He's like, he's like, fellas. He's like, I know, um, I know y'all might have said that you had some uh, some weed in the house. You might even maybe have had some LSD or acid in the house. Um, I personally didn't see anything. I'll let you know something though that before I became a detective, uh, I was really into psychedelics, and they uh, changed my life and made me realize that I wanted to be a detective to bring people justice. So I'm going to give you five minutes to go on the crime scene before we shut it down. You can get whatever you want out of there. <laughs> he let me leave with my acid. He, <laughs> when he saw me, I had that, uh, that big blue painting from high school. Yeah. It, it survived the fire. So like I had like it and one other piece of art survived the fire. Everything else was gone. But it was in that bedroom. So he sees me walking out with that painting, and then like he realizes that it was me. The guy was like quiet and calm and just like, oh no, sir! Like, like what? What do you need? And I'm walking out. I'm waving to him like, 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 bye, guys! Thanks for all your help. What does acid look like? Um, well, it can be put. It's a clear liquid, mm. right? So, but you can you can put it on anything. So back in the '60s, they would put it on like sugar cubes or gel tabs. You can put it on paper. You can just have it in a vial. But he he knew what it was. It, you knew exactly what it was. Right? I'm like, yeah, that, that's that good stuff. <laughs> I'm telling you, because I, I didn't know, I didn't know drugs until I really started narcotics. Of course, you know, weed, yeah. that musty odor. But like, they call it skunk for a reason. Yeah, yeah but like crap and uh, just cocaine. You know, I thought cocaine, I didn't realize the graininess it had to it. And then when you start seeing flocka, that, that shit has like a brown coloration and yeah. the smell. I learned it has that chemical smell. It's strong. I don't even know how to how to describe it. It's like real chemical-like. Mm-hmm. It's like now I can walk somewhere and I can smell it. And a lot of people don't know that. Like a lot of drug dealers, like you can smell that shit. Yeah. Like a dog can smell small quantities, but if you got a kilo. It's going to give off an odor. Yeah. Cocaine has a scent to it. It's definitely not as potent as weed, but... That chemical smell, when you have it confined to a space, mm-hmm. like you put it in your car, and that heat, like you get out of your car and go somewhere for an hour, and that heat hits, gets to warming that up, mm-hmm. it's going to give off an odor. You might not know because of riding in that car for a, a large amount of time, but me being fresh, being green to drugs... I'm gonna smell whatever. Oh, I yeah. smell all that shit. Like. Well, especially when it's not your environment, you know. Like I've, when I was smoking cigarettes, you know, I would uh, uh, come home from like uh, this is when I lived in an apartment back in uh, Valdosta, but um, you know, I I would smoke inside, and uh, I had gone on like a trip with my girl, and we got back, and as soon as I opened the door, I was just like, Good God, like. Mm. Fucking stinks of cigarettes, and like I'd never smelled it before hmm. because I'm always in it, you mm-hmm. know. But like once you remove yourself from that environment, yeah, you know. But yeah, some <laughs> some dude came. The thing that gets me about as far as the scent thing is, folks that'll like go run errands with like all this weed in their pocket. Like, I've been at the gas station before, and, like, dudes buying, like, like, you know, like, white owls and blunts and stuff. It's like, bro, you should probably take that home first and then make a run to the store because you reek of pot. I've been out on a call and standing out there and then people trying to be nosy, and then you got people who want to be all in people's business. 
people don't understand the law, right? So when you when the guy walked by, this is a true story. Him Velasco, so standing out there, can't remember what the call was. Might have been to open the door, some shit, something small. It was something petty. Guy was getting ready to go to work. Burger King. He had a knot in his, a knot in his pocket, but. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to look to see what that knot is. I carry knots in my pocket constantly. Right. It's just a bunch of bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So he walked by. I was like, God damn. I didn't even put it on him to begin with. I was like, damn, bro. He's like, yeah, bro. Somebody got weed out here. Dude just walked by. We didn't even pin him, even right. though he just walked by. Walked back. I said, and when he walked by, I was smelling him. I said, God damn, bro, you loud as hell, bro. You got raw on you, right? He was like, I don't know who you're talking to. You ain't talking to me. You guilty already. <laughs> yeah. That that says it all. <laughs> raw marijuana. I said, damn, bro, you got... You ain't talking. Of course I'm talking to you. You just walked. You're the I'm, only person that walked in front of me. I'm looking at you, sir. <laughs> I said, man, come in. Come in, please. Me personally, depending on the quantity. I don't give a shit. Come in, man. Let me let me let me holler at you. No, you ain't got nothing to say to me. Okay. Now it's 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 evident what what's going on. Alright man, turn around. This is what people got to realize. At this point, you have no win. Yeah. I smell it. I can attribute it to you. Every time you walk by, this odor is coming from you. Is it normal for a person to walk around with a huge bulge? in a round shape in their pocket and it's crumpled almost like popcorn in a sense. I know this to be consistent with maybe a cellophane bag with marijuana buds and stuff in it. Right. A reasonable person could assume this. Anybody who smokes frequently. So by me being able to articulate this to him, you ain't got no, no leg to stand on. You go in his, I can pat his pocket, I can frisk his pocket, once I feel it, and I feel that plastic crumple, and I can feel the individual bud, I can then go inside your pocket. Once going inside, pull out the bag, it's about an ounce. That is typical for a felony. We ran the guy. Guy had charges. We looked at each other. I said, hey, man, it's your lucky day. He's cussing the fuss now. It's your lucky day. You got a warrant, so you're going to jail. This is getting poured out. Yeah. We poured the shit out, stepped on it, and he steady cussed us out. Bro, I just did you a favor, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you got a felony and a warrant. We're just going to take you on this because we don't want to do paperwork. And we dumped that shit in front of him. He was mad. Like, hey, bro, that's your fault. Yeah, why are you walking in front of the cops with a pot full of Why the fuck are you going to Burger King with all this shit, first of all? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Dude, there's this thing uh, my buddy Leah told me a, a few years ago. It's probably like 10 years ago at this point, but there was um, the Wendy's on Ashley Street mm -hmm. that you would uh, go through the drive-thru and you'd get like some combo and then you would uh, state that you wanted uh, ketchup only with a large pink lemonade. <laughs> and that was that was the uh, the the passcode, That's right, crazy. Or, or whatnot. And then the uh, you know the dude would come to the window and have your, uh, your baggy uh, in your Wendy's bag. For That's crazy up. shit. I'm gonna tell you, there's nothing fucking more paranoid than a meth head. Though meth heads, uh, you you have to be. Everything is like suspicious to them. 
that's funny as fuck because that would never work with a meth head because they're too fucking iffy like methods are like the funniest people to talk to arrest because they're so jumpy they're so fidgety so all over the fucking place I can't describe that shit that shit is pure comedy it's people's lives but that shit is comedy I can take you literally we can go up the road make a right mm-hmm. on Nankin and I can go a couple I can take you some places yeah there's a um, probably about two miles through the woods that way <laughs> uh, there's a uh, some uh, buddy of mine lives a couple dirt roads over but uh Told me that there's there's some clan back in there that is just uh, they're all about the meth business in uh, in the greater Lowndes area. One night, this was sometime last year, they stole some dude's car from you know like that neighborhood. Found another car about uh, a mile or so down the road. Got it, then came up here. The, the farm across the street, my neighbor, they hotwired a piece of his farm equipment and went on a joyride. Like this that's, meth, meth, that's meth. Yeah, yeah, that they knew exactly like how to hotwire a tractor. <laughs> my my other neighbor, he had uh, asked me if uh, I had any any issue or seen anybody. I was like, I was like, no, I was like nobody's coming up in this fucking yard. I was like. Especially if they do at nighttime, like, I'm paranoid white dude living in meth country. I'm packing heat in this house. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, it's coming up into my yard. Let me ask you this. Uh, you've been around meth. Of course, I've been around plenty. What is the fascination with meth heads and just being artsy? Like, color pencils, crayons, mm-hmm. like, those are some of the most, like, you when you talk to them before that, they don't seem so creative. But when they own that shit, those are some of the most creative people mm-hmm. when it comes to figuring, trying to get into shit. It may even speak to like a bit of the, the delusion that uh, meth heads will have as well. You know, because they'll have uh, an, an influx of ideas that come to them. You know, so sometimes that can be a conspiracy side of it. Other times it can be, you know, uh, these bursts of creativity mm-hmm. that they'll, they'll uh, seem to have. I... You know, I, I do think that, like, you know, I, I do think drugs are good in a certain aspect. Mm-hmm. Now, they, they can have really bad consequences, but, you know, if, if you do it in moderation, I don't know if you can do meth in moderation, but, like, you, you can microdose these things to where they'll be beneficial. Meth doesn't seem to have that at all. Um, from what, and again, I've never smoked ice, but from the friends and ex-lovers I've had that have been meth heads before, you know, uh, supposedly the, uh, the sex is top notch on it. Um, the energy and the creativity is mm. top notch on it. Um, and like that, that's kind of a similarity with, uh, you know, amphetamines and Adderall and Vyvanse and stuff like that is, you know, it, it, uh, probably since you have all that blood flow in your brain, it's firing off, uh, ideas at a uh, faster rate than normal. So is that, but is that worth, is it worth what comes with the, like the negatives that come with it? Even in, in when you're in the moment, like, like you can't experience it from a myth perspective, but like if this was a myth, 
Bro, this shit would be horrendous. Like, it would... I've never seen a clean... But, you know, it's this one guy. It's this black guy. Uh, oh, Dredge from California. He's a professor at a college. He's open about crack usage and heroin. I saw that. And he talks about... He's debunking the theories that you have to be a criminal or you be, have to be like a... Sl- you know, just fucked up in the head to use these things. He does it recreationally and he's open about it and said... Mm-hmm. And that's where I came up with that theory that maybe it's the pain that is that 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 hones in on that addiction. Maybe it's not the substance based on him and him speaking about it. Mm-hmm. Because if he can if he can control himself, it has to be something to make this person go out of control. Based on my experience with like, especially these clientville meth heads. When you hear them and they talk to you about how they got into it, why they got into it, it all stems behind either uh, family trouble, family pain. They don't feel like they can get anywhere after being put, you know, held down for so long, and then they start using their product. Then they get turned out on it. Mm-hmm. Bro, I'm gonna tell you, somebody close that we know—I don't want to say a name—but uh, his brother. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't want to say it, but I'm just trying to give you an idea of who I'm talking. But it hurt me when I seen him, cause he still looked good. You know, so when I seen him, and I, you know, I heard this name constantly in the office. I was like, I was like, well, I know a guy with that name. It's like, no, that can't be him. And then one day we went to a house. These motherfuckers living in a shed like that, and there was like shit everywhere in there. And then he was outside, and I said. I said his name. I was like, he was like, yeah, Derek, that's me. I said, Jesus. I said, bro, I heard your name and I would have never thought it was you based on your brother because we went to school with him and that hurt me. But I was like, bro, what got you into it? He was like, yeah, man, after my dad died, he said, I just kind of fell into it. Yeah. So I can't get over it. And ever since that day, I see him constantly. Constantly, and it, it's just him masking a pain, but using the substance to do it. Yeah, well, it creates that escape for them, right? You know? And I mean, it, everybody does it to some uh, a certain degree. You know what I mean? Like back earlier with like a, you know pizza on Fridays, like right. that's my fucking escape. Right? You know what I mean? Right. I'm gonna I'm eat that sugary shit and see. I'm like a shoebox. I went to Atlanta. Atlanta is one of one of my roughest years. In 2016, I was suicidal to like uh, uh, an extreme because of my relationship with my autistic son. I'm at, I actually wrote a book on it. Um, you know, I was abusive to my son because of a lack of understanding for one, and then a lack of resources. You know, everybody looks at it and they think, okay, well, special needs kid. Oh man, I could. Just, they just need some care. It's different when you're involved. It's not justifying shit because it's horrible. But when you start to think about the mental strain that it takes to actually live and, and raise this child, because I'm not even going to get in. That's, that's a story in itself. We could talk about that on another day, but that's a story in itself. It's so hard, bro. We was up there and he's, he gets aggressive. And this is when he was smaller. 
And, you know, we had a situation up there. And I, I heard him in a way, I, like I said, we'll talk about it later, but I put a gun in my mouth. Bro, I was going to blow it. Pull the trigger and everything. But it shit, safety was on. You feel what I'm saying? And I was like, fuck. After this, she was my girl at the time. She's my wife now. She was explaining to me. She was like, man, she was like, you know, you just need to start doing something for yourself while you're up there just to kind of ease your mind. So she was like, why don't you just go buy yourself something? She was like, retail therapy. But you know what? I went to Ross up there and bought a pair of shoes. I was like, you know what? I don't have joys that much. Never got them when I was a kid. So I bought a pair. I was like, shit, I like the way that feels. You know, I wear my shoes out. So every time I got a little money, I went and bought a pair. I bought a pair. And I was satisfying or thinking I'm satisfying that, that pain. Mm-hmm. This is giving me temporary comfort. So it's like, okay, I'm going to keep feeding this. And I've done it all the way up until this point. You know what I'm saying? I still feed it, but it's just not a chemical that I'm putting in my body. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's mm-hmm. where I came to that conclusion because that pain, that pain is a motherfucker. That pain will, that pain will, will drive you in ways you wouldn't think sometimes. It's like, like you, you, you want to escape it. You want to get away, but it's like that shit is right on your ass. It's like that motherfucker is pinching the shit out you, and it's like it's not letting you go. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Oh, totally, man. I, I had a, um, you know, an, uh, an ex girlfriend of mine. After we, uh, we broke up, I, uh, she called me uh, over like one. It was like a year after we had broken up, and she had just said like, like, like I need help. I'm like, all right. So I show up to her house. And I uh, walk up to the door of her trailer and I open the door and I can already tell it it's, it's, she's on meth just because like you said, like the inside of a meth house mm-hmm. is not like the inside of a house. Right. Right. You know, right. big diff. And, um, you know, she had a, she didn't, she was never used, uh, whenever we were together and hadn't, uh, before we were together either. We were together about two years almost. And, but her, uh, you know, her family, like her, her dad was a meth head. One of her brothers was a meth head. Her her mom had enabled them to to do so. I, I think part of it was because the mom felt bad about how she raised her own kids. So if her kids get on the meth, she can take custody of the grandchildren and mm. do it better the next mm-hmm. time around. Just how that psychopathy would work. But like that's like after we were done, I saw her like on meth. And I was just like, oh my god, dude, like. But the only reason that she said she got into it was because it gave her and her dad a chance to bond over something as adults and that they had never bonded as kids because he was always off doing meth. But if she was an adult and now was able to do meth with her dad, that she could find a way to uh, fill that void. Yeah. That's weird because I'm going to tell you, even meth, they'll fuck anything for a hit. Yeah. Relatives and all, bro. I'm not saying that that's the case, but no, you're not wrong though. Like, bro, they will. I've seen two people together, and I'm looking like you're over here butt naked with this dude here. <laughs> but then the guys were telling me, and I was like, "Yeah, bro, meth heads. You didn't realize that? Like, meth heads asleep with anybody? They were like, "Yeah, as long as you got the product, they'll fuck you." I was like, "What? Like, ew? Like, oh, like, this is horrible." The same kid that I said that we we knew growing up, 
Like his girlfriend, I've seen her and the girl's mama in places getting a train ran on, bro. I was like, that is, it's already nasty in the house. And now y'all slinging dick juice and coochie juice everywhere. Bro, that, that is nasty, bro. Like, what the fuck? People do, though, man. Like, if somebody wants something bad enough, they, they'll have no problem debasing themselves in order to get it. There's a, a buddy of mine who used to live with a dude who sold cocaine. And he was talking with this girl. And this, this girl is a cokehead. And she really, really wanted that coke. So she goes over to the dude's house to, like, hang out. And he's like, oh, yeah, cool. And she's like, oh, well, is your roommate home? Like, I kind of want to get something from him. So she, she just goes there and just, like, fucks, fucks the roommate. And then comes back out, sits on the couch with him. Just like, so you want to go back to your bedroom? He's like, you just got done sucking that dude's dick. Like, what do I want to go and hang out with but you But do you bedroom? know how, 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 bro, I didn't realize how much hooking was going on. Like, real hooking here in town? Mm-hmm. Dudes with their girls. Look, their girlfriend. Hey, going to, you, you, certain sites you can go on on your phone. Mm-hmm. You call a chick. Hey, uh, you still available today? Yeah, I'm available. What time? Three? Okay. Where we going to meet at? Super 8? You got a room already? Yeah. Okay, I'll be there. You get there. Chick in that butt-ass naked. You see the dude leave. And then when we're arresting both, you find out that the dude is a boy. That's my boyfriend down there. Please let him. Your boyfriend? Yeah. Your boyfriend is selling you, selling you out like this? Like, ew. And then you going to lick that after I got through hitting it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Bro, that is that is the. That's turning a cuckoldery into a business right there. Bro, that is the <laughs> wildest thing. And these girls, all they do is just wipe off in between. Dude, I was at the uh, I was at the bar not too long ago. I think it was like New Year's Eve or something. I'll, unless there's music, I don't really go out. But there's music, and I'm out and I'm talking with this uh, this couple, just striking up a conversation. You know, having having some laughs, being a goofball. And uh, she, she uh, the girl, she asked me what my name was. I was like, it's Daddy. <laughs> and I look, I look at the dude. I'm like, I'm like, you can call me Daddy too. <laughs> but I, I was, I wasn't ready for this. He uh, gives me one of these looks, you know, where he like looks down and like looks back up. He's like, he's like, I can call you Daddy. He's like, she, he's like, she can call you Daddy as well. He's like, if uh, I get to watch, I'm like, uh. I was like, ew. <laughs> I was, uh, I was doing this for comedic effect, you all. I am. Um, I am, not, I am not trying to have a, a, an exhibitionist event with you and your boyfriend this evening. Yeah, you get that and then you want to have a finger in your ass. It's like, yeah, that's a strange feeling. Yeah, a, a voice just behind you in your ear just like, Shh, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's, this is natural. Hey, this I'm going to tell you what's, what's weird, though. So, like I said, we work prostitutes a lot. <laughs> it's still funny because... So the dude I'm partnering with that day, we set up one. So they stay in a nice neighborhood. Like, you know where Dasher Grove is? Mm-hmm. Stay over there, right? So it's like 10, 11 o'clock at night. So we're riding through. I was like, fuck, they looking over here. So kind of find out the chick is like a cam girl. So the funny shit about it, bro, like, you know, because we got to keep eye on you and, and watch you when you go into places. 
and we, we have you on the phone so we can hear you, so we can make sure you're safe. So right. he walked up in, he had the phone on, I'm listening, and uh, you can hear the trembling in his voice because he's nervous because the dude is in there sitting on in the garage in the chair. So he walked up on it, the girl comes out, girl looked good, like, next thing you know, dude hits the garage door and that shit starts rolling down, and you hear the trembling, like, hey, 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 close the door, man. So he went ahead and stopped them, but the shit was fucking hilarious as I played out. But the chick was a cam girl. Like, that shows you, like, bro, you just don't know. People from all backgrounds, like, I think dude was ex-military. She was a cam girl. She showed us some of the videos and all that shit. Like, boy, they, interesting couple there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he, he liked to watch. Like, that was his thing. Isn't that kind of weird? How, like, that's become like a trend now that we're like adults is like and yep i had a thought on it that maybe has something to do with uh, how the religious right has has dominated ideas of like family right for for years and so like these these cats will get older and then they want to rebel because they didn't do it in their younger years like you know what i think i'm uh we'll take Susie down to hudson docket and uh but see you if uh, i'll say this because I'm one of those extreme people. Not in that way. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> but, like, me and my girl, we consider ourselves poly. We haven't found the right partner yet, but we've had a few. We've tried. We're talking to people here and there. You know, and my mindset on it is, because, you know, even the Bible talks about uh, polymorous relationships and stuff like that in the Old Testament, but... It, it curves a certain... Me, I, I'm driven by that sexual appetite. After my suicidal shit and after my bad divorce, my last divorce and shit, I was like, you know what? I need something different. She'd been through things before where she was like, you know what? I like this and I want to experiment with this. So I was like, shit, we can experiment with that together. <laughs> and that's what we did. You know what I'm saying? Like she had chicks come over one day. Bro, that shit was lovely. I was like, hey, I like this. It's not bad. Not a bad feeling. Bro, I'm telling you. If you ain't <laughs> never had a threesome, bro, you got to do it. That shit is life. There, there has been girls before because, like, I'm not uh, I'm not into uh, 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 the spit roast game of, uh, you know, running a train, sharing it with your bros. <laughs> like, what a great male bonding experience. No, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. Just It just doesn't do anything hey, for bro, me. Tap that shit, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, I think I'll keep that on my Pornhub watch list. I don't want to bring that into reality. Yeah. But, no, nah, I've been with, uh, like, talking to, with, like, a girl before, and, like, she'll, like, have, like, like uh, you know, her guy friend, like, come over, and, like, I'll just see, like, the way she's looking, just being like, like, well, I got two dudes. Like, you are not getting me to double dick you down. <laughs> Is, is you may get me to not talk to you again because this is something that you seem to want and I do not and I'm not investing into that. So like, these DPs involve two tea bags rubbing together. I'm not with that shit, bro. You can have that. Then afterwards, well, I was like, oh, Claude, man, your balls were really feeling good rubbing up against mine. Like, could you imagine, like, she's riding you and then he's like, hey, I'm going to get up something my dick. Now you look up and now you're looking at Taint. 
<laughs> and then all her spit from his dick is coming to his face. <laughs> Just lady. dropping in your face. <laughs> oh, but you don't want to pull out, so you keep fucking, but you got dick juice in your face. You keep no. telling yourself, like, it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> nah, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm good. That's like your porn stars who do it. Say, well, I'm not gay. Listen, your dick touched another man's dick. She had both of y'all dick in her mouth at the same time. That's pretty gay. There's nothing wrong with being gay. But it's like, you do gay porn, but you're not gay. Your dick was in a man's butt. Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, okay, I get it. I get it. That's your thing. That's not your thing. Fine. But, bro, like, the poly life, you think about it, though, man. Like, what is different? From anybody living any other type of way. Think about most of the people that I know from my culture and from my area. Everybody cheating. Every relationship. Even people that are satisfied or quote unquote satisfied in their relationships. All it takes is a pretty looking dude, good looking dude, and a pretty face for a female. Dudes are going to cheat anyway. Most of them. Most of them that I grew up with, you know, a girl with a fat ass comes around, hey, that's easy money. I'm I'm getting that. <laughs> Especially if she gives you the attention first. Of course. Oh, yeah. Hey, you want this? Do I? <laughs> it's like, like I explained, in my, I explained this to my girl. <clears throat> that's like you go to a restaurant and they give you that steak dinner and they push it to you. They say, you like, damn, that shit looks nice. I love my steak. Then they push you that fried chicken over here and say, you would like to taste that? You fucking right, I'd like to taste that. You want it together? Of course I'd take it together. It's like, who would turn that down? And most dudes live this way, and a lot of women are getting into it too. Like, cheating and stuff like that. It's huge, man. Like, shit, that shit is crazy when you think about it. It's like, you would knock somebody here, but you do it privately here, Mm -hmm. and then say it's okay. Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. You'll criticize me for being open about it. Yeah, I like poly. My girl likes girls. I like all kind of women. I'm going to do both of them. But you openly criticize me, but you're cheating on your husband behind his back. At least I know who she's with. Yeah. She knows who I'm with. Like, Well, it's uh, about being uh, communicative, right? So, like, <laughs> it's a much healthier uh uh, relationship if it's poly and communicative than it is if it's quote unquote monogamous and deceitful. Mm. You know what I mean? There is a <laughs> this, this, uh, it was like last summer I think I was at the Blue Pub in downtown Valdosta and uh, sitting at a booth with my water and watching my friend Patrick uh, Teasley uh, sing some songs and the booth behind me is a couple and like uh, the song, songs are kind of like soft and subdued, you know. So like I can hear everything that's going on mm-hmm. at the booth next to me. And apparently, at this dinner date, I I, I don't know what his wife had said to him, but <laughs> it's a very pretty song. All of a sudden, <laughs> you just hear from the booth behind me. Well, I bet you was down there in the hood sucking more black dicks. <laughs> that's probably where you was, wasn't it? I knew it. <laughs> And I just sort of like awkwardly turn around and I see them and they like just like keep going at I'm just like, well, that's not my fight. (laughs) I'm just going to sit here and awkwardly listen. But like the girl's face was just kind of just like, oh, yeah. 
you, you have a small dick, Rodney. What a, what a, what do you want me to say? It's like, that's crazy. But, but my thing is, see, that's where I'd be open to shit. Like, that's even like even even her uh, dating women independently. That's why I'm open to it because. Honestly, at one point, she sexed me out. Like, it's like, listen, my dick can't go anymore. It's like, you know what? I'm not going to let a dude fuck you, but if you want to get a girlfriend, I'm game for that. Lick each other till you pass out for all I care. I can kill that. <laughs> Bring it here. Like, I'm not going to be, I'm personally, I can't get, I don't get mad at that. Like, if I went home and see my wife in the bed with another woman, I'd walk in there. I'd sit in the chair and watch. Like, it wouldn't bother me a bit, but that's me. Everybody doesn't, of course, feel the same way, but there's no offense because I love women so much. And maybe it's because, maybe it's because I never felt good enough to have the women I wanted. And now that I can, I like it unlimited. You know what I'm saying? I totally understand. Childhood, (laughs) childhood, and the way, the people I hung out with, of course, was doing more fucking than I was. So, and the girls I wanted, wanted them. Mm -hmm. I was more corny, but I was cool, but I was corny. So, I didn't get the same looks that I do now. I may look the same, but people view me different now. I guess personality-wise, people are starting to understand me better, Mm -hmm. who I am. So, I get more looks, but I'm open. I'm like, listen, this is what I do. Take it, leave it, whatever the fuck. This is how I get down. And they're more open to doing it now, some of them, as long as too many people don't know. That. I, I don't know. That shit's weird to me, bro. Like, I, I love women, and I think it's based on just me not being able to get enough pussy when I was coming up. It's just... That's kind of the same boat I found myself in. I didn't become a slut until I hit my 30s. And yeah. It, it was stupid. Like, it made no sense, dude. Yeah. Like, that, that I would... I would just be sitting in a chair like as I am now, right. and this foxy, beautiful goddess would just come up to me and just like, I think you're cute. I'm like, you're stupid. Like, you could get any dude in here. And you chose this guy. Thank you. I will I will gladly accept. I've I've been that person and that's and it, you know it's weird because I'll downplay it. I'll show you Texas sometimes, like where I'm like, well, yeah, you look this way. Like, you show you and I don't want to come off unattractive by downplaying myself. So it's weird even having to take on this persona like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know. It's like, that's not me. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Trying to be arrogant and shit. Like, yeah. Uh, oh, I love the way you did this. Like, yeah, my dick is big. It's, like, it's not really that big. <laughs> it, it, it's trying to think of how to play into it and then playing into certain compliments. It's like. It's all about the the push and pull, right? So like, uh, like humor's always worked good for me. I realized, <laughs> like somewhere in my youth, I was like, I could just make her laugh, and if I can make her laugh more than anybody else, then she's gonna be like, oh, I bet his dick does something magical as well. But you know, I learned that that is something different. The reason your dick makes it do it. Is because of where you're, how you're engaging her. Yeah, it, precisely. You know, I, it took me a long time to figure this shit out. Just, just dealing with people. You know, men in general. When you're in your early twenties, you're basing your opinion of women 
off of the grown things. Like I looked at a chick with big titties and a big butt, like my first wife, had a pretty face, big titties, big butt. Oh man, that's wifey material there. It's nothing mental. I didn't even know how to stimulate her mentally with conversation. As I grew older, I started learning myself and the conversation began to change. And what I even wanted to be stimulated with by her, she couldn't. Right. Mentally. So I started to pull away from her mentally because we're not even sharing certain thoughts. So my dick isn't even getting hard, but I'm thinking it's because of a problem with me when it's really mentally we're not connecting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you think about it like there's only so many times you can nut before you're just sort of like, hey, man, like I'm, I'm good. Can we get some food? Right. <laughs> you know, but like you... If, if you don't if you don't have the ability to be able to be friends with your lover to right. be friends with your partner you're you're not going to have anything to build a foundation on for the for the long term but you know women get confused women think because I have this gateway to life is what I call it because it produces life it gives the life it births it and this is how you get to that is by entering that that black hole if you will. <laughs> But, you know, women think that that's all is needed sometimes, that they don't have to have substance outside of being able to open their legs. Like, listen. I think, it's, yeah, I think it's because they've been taught that, like, this is what men want. Right. And it's like, well, that's one thing right. a man wants, but, like, you want if you want a fuck boy, that's that's how you get a right. fuck boy. Right. Like if you want a man, like, you got to be able to bring something to the table. See, this is where, this is where... After this, you should watch Kevin Samuels. It's very interesting, the dialogue he has, because women are requesting that men make six figures. Men have no kids. But when they come to the table, they come to the table with children, two or three children. They don't make certain amounts of money. Even if they do, it's what, what's interesting about it is when he valued it. He said, when you bring kids in the picture, that brings wherever you think your value is, kids will bring it down two points. So automatically su- subtract two points from what you think your value is. And it's like, that's kind of deep because it's true. But, you know, women, women don't want to be realistic. It's like, you know, I got a pussy, it gets wet. You want it. What else do you need? Bitch, I need conversation. I need financial partnership. I need you to just have my back. You don't have to. See, something me and my wife conflict on a little bit is the level of expectation. Women's problem is from childhood, they create a sense of expectation as I want a prince. I'm a princess. He needs to have these things. He needs to have this in order. Or when we get to a point of marriage, he needs to be able to do these things and I can be this form. Listen, all that's that's some fuckery. I don't know who taught you this or what made you think that this is fucking Princess and the Frog, but it's not that. Like, my wife, like recently, I'm stressed the fuck out, right? Mom died. Then you got a lot of shit with my son going on. And all I tell her is, listen, all I want you to do is have my back. You can't tell me what to do as far as my problems go because they're my problems. They were right. here before you. 
They're going to be here after you. So you don't know what it takes. So your advice on it isn't what I need. I just need you to stand here so when I fall, you can say, well, baby, I got you. And you don't have to say shit else. Hey, you have a bad day? What's going on? Oh, that's going on? Come here, let me suck your dick. Maybe that'll make you feel better. That's all I need, bro. Like, sometimes I just need you to shut the fuck up and just sit there. I like to play video games. Why would you complain about that if it's keeping me home and it's clearing my mind? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, learn where you where where these are benefits to, to, to a relationship. But women want to be in control of shit. Well, black women do. It's like, I want to control this. Uh, I can give you what you need. No, bitch. I just told you what I need. I need you to listen. Yeah. And I don't mean bitch in a negative way. You know, it's just, I need you to pay attention to what the fuck I'm telling you. Because if you ignore me and I tell you I need this, what are you here for? You just ignore the one thing I said I needed from you most of all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's the most important thing women need to understand. Sometimes you need to shut the fuck up and listen. And that's the problems that I've been through in my past relationship. Women want to be in control. They want to try to dominate certain parts. But that's a whole different conversation too because, you know, I believe the black household is conflicting because of a bunch of different shit. That, that's a whole conversation in itself. I believe that shit dates back to slavery. And it does when you look at how it affects us now. It affects us dramatically. I'll, I'll even go to a little bit. I'll just clear, I'll just go into a little bit. In slavery, you had the Willow Lynch theory. If anybody knows anything about history, Willow Lynch's theory was, um, um, for one, he'd take the most dominant black man and then he'd control the mask with this person. He'd tie him to one end of the horse, tie his legs to the other end, and he'd pull him apart. This way, you can see, show the mask, listen, this is what the fuck I'd do to you if you rebel. In the process of this, he took the black mothers, put them in a house with the kids by themselves. Then he put the black men in pretty much a stable by themselves and then sold them off eventually. He taught the black women to train the children to be, training the boys to be strong physically and mentally weak. Know your place. They control everything. They taught the females to be smart and, you know, just, just when it comes to thinking about things and then be hard working. Let's look at how that affects today's society. Now you look at society today, most black society or black communities, the woman is always at home with the kids, whether it's Section 8 or just a regular housing. Where's the black man? On the corner with his homeboys a lot of times. He seeks his refuge outside in the stable amongst the gents mm. where they were broken up from slavery. Right, right, right. It's traditional. It was passed from the tradition of this being this mentality. And now we continue to push it. So now when you get a black man like me whose family has kind of broken that and I try to come into a house and be the man for this woman, we conflict because you're used to being the man. Because your boyfriend was on the corner in the stable and now that I'm trying to help you and take over the house and be the man of the house, you don't want to relinquish that title because you're used to being that automatically. Mm. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. It, it's it's weird, bro. I've I've experienced that firsthand, and that shit conflicts hard. My ex-wife, we butt heads constantly because she wanted me to be involved, but yet she wanted to control it. But it's like, listen, why don't you do this? No, no, no. I make the money. Okay, well you do make the money, so I'll sit back. Then it's like, well, you don't ever give me advice. God damn, like. I just tried to give you some, but you shot me down. But see, this is what I'm talking about. You just ain't doing. You. It's like you know what? This is what I get for dating pretty, pretty women. But you know, it, it it conflicted constantly. But she came from a troubled once one parent household, and the matriarch uh, usually rules, like uh, occupies both roles. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and she's used to seeing it, used to doing it, because even when she had her first daughter, she was used to playing that role. And when I came in and I could show her something different, she was resistant to it. It was like, nah, like, naturally, I can kind of take in a role like that just because of what I've seen. I've been in household where black men were still in the house and were the man of the house. So I come in with that, that, that foundation and I'm trying to provide it here, but you're resistant from it. Because of what you know. Yeah. But all these things were passed and passed and passed through these years. But that, that stuff still is evident. Go through any black community and you'll see it. That I'm makes te- sense. I'm telling you, though. It's deep, man. That's just real deep. I read these these books about the conspiracy against the black man. And it's just, it's just to put things in perspective. It's not to continue to separate. It's just trying to figure out how... To, to change that narrative. Mm-hmm. I think a story that my mom told me one time that kind of puts it in perspective about tradition. And it even goes into what we we're talking about with just how we look at relationships. So there was a, a daughter. Daughter went to the mom during Thanksgiving. The mom was cooking. Daughter said, Mom, the mom was cutting the ham, cutting the bone off. Daughter said, Mama, why do you cut that bone off? She said, You know what? I don't know. My mom always done it, so I keep the tradition of it and I do it this way too. So I've always seen it done. So she was like, okay. Little girl tried it all. So they went to visit the, the grandma one day. And the grandma was cooking ham too. Grandma cut the bone off the ham. So the mama said, you know what? Why do you cut the bone off of the ham? She said, well, my pan is so small. In order for the ham to fit, I got to cut the bone off. But the mother repeated what she saw. Not knowing that she didn't have to do it the same way. Right. This was for a purpose of living. You're continuing something that and you don't even know why you're doing it. It's uh, like a uh, classical conditioning, you know, like Pavlov. And right. The, and the, but on a societal level. That shit's deep, bro. Yeah, man. But you think about it, like that shit goes on for ages. Even like racism. Yeah. Why are you racist? Why you don't like me? You're black. <laughs> okay, well, what else? <laughs> You're a monkey. Okay. Where's my tail at? Uh, I'm like, if you look statistically, white people probably have more tails than black people. So what are you talking about? That's that, that's actually probably true. It is true. <laughs> it's like, so what are you saying? It's a deformity. It's it's about like it's a certain gene or a deformity. Yeah, it keeps the tailbone, or the coccyx growing or whatever. It's a girl him also that has one. But it's like you catch that tail. <laughs> but it's it's like. Tell me why you don't like me. Well, listen, I grew up this way. This is the way the South is. Why? Motherfucker, I don't know. It's like, no, tell me. Tell me why you don't like me based on what you've experienced. Yeah. And I'll respect it all day. 
I can't respect that shit. You don't like black people. Why you don't like black people? Well, I had four black people rob me. One beat me. One kicked me in my dick. One tore my leg off. You know what? I'd hate black people too if, I, if that happened. You know, it's just... I, I can see your purpose in trying to classify the group right. based on an experience. Right. Well, you may not definitely agree with the, the conclusions that are drawn. You right. can at least understand how they got drawn that e- way. Exactly. It's like, I can still help you change that by talking to you and letting you see a different side of it. But at least I understand where it comes from. But I can respect it more because at least you're up front with it. That's what I like. If you're racist, be racist. Be racist to me all day. If you're going to call me the N-word, call it. At least I know where to keep you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. At least I know what this is about and I can approach you accordingly. That's all I want. Ain't no stabbing me in the back. Hey, he's going to try to shoot me in the back. I already know it. That's that's what I like. I like that. I want to be up front. Don't cut no corners like Donald Trump. Donald Trump, if you're a racist, be a racist. But see, Donald Trump is just trying to get that money. I think he's an asshole. I don't think he's racist. He's just trying to get money. Yeah. Donald Trump is about that dollar. He knows the people that he influences are ignorant. And ignorant is not such a bad word. Ignorant just means lack of knowledge about something. Yeah, you you ignore data. You become ignorant. To he it. knows this. Mm-hmm. He made statements in the 80s on Oprah about Southern whites being idiotic. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like Dave Chappelle uh, talked about in uh, one of his uh, more recent stand-ups where he was like, you know, it's playing poor white folks' greatest hits, and like just that rhetoric. But you know, to to your point, you know, when you when you're able to look at things objectively, and you're able to sort of not attach your emotion to it, but just sort of look like, okay, well, how how did this person get to this conclusion? And whenever you can understand the path that they took, then not only do you have a, a better worldview worldview for yourself. But you're going to be better able to guide them away from a path that would right. be destructive to the community. Right. Dude, we have done over three hours. Man. I figured that. <laughs> Dude, this, this has been a great episode, man. Thank you so much for coming man, on. Ain't man, ain't no problem. I'll come any day you want me oh, to. Hell yeah. Dude, we'll definitely do this again. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I know you haven't got your uh, podcast up off the ground, but if uh, if you need uh, any uh, uh, help with that or whatnot, dude, I'll, I'll help you out uh, any I can with it, man. I appreciate it. Pros versus cons is what it's going to be called. I just have to find the cons to do it. Mm. And the, the, the title is subjective. Pros versus cons it could be good versus bad, good and bad, or professional versus convict, just how, depending on how people look at it. So, Well, if you, uh, if you ever put your racism aside and want white people on your show. <laughs> right. Uh, right. It's going to branch into other aspects. It's going to branch into just pros versus cons as far as good and bad about all things sooner or later. Yeah. But this is just the beginning yeah. stage. Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea, man. And yeah. anybody that's trying to get out in podcasting, I encourage it 100%. I appreciate it, man, but dude. I'll be back. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. All right. Later, y'all.